You starting now? Does this mean you're not prepared? No, I'm prepared. I'm completely prepared. Okay. I couldn't be more prepared. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the recap is now done at only seven and a half minutes after the hour. We now begin today's exciting edition of the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Things that are funny to begin with are twice as funny in Hebrew, kids. That's comedy lesson number 724. Uh, why, hello, it's 8 minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of 11 and this the month of May in the year of our Lord 2008. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed, yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970 Solid State Radio. This, my friends, mi amigos, mi compadres, is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us today. It's 503-733-2970. What you should uh, get on board with your comments, questions, clarifications, two cents, what have you. It's 503. You don't call, you don't write. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, the just plain weird. It's 503-733-2970. 503 uh, 2970. What you, uh, you want to email, you can do that as well. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am. Tim at 970.am. Or Richie with a T at 970.am. Uh, draw near that ye might be entertained and amused for the following few hours. All right. Uh, so what's coming up? Uh, first of all, before we do anything else, today's the day where we're going to start saying that it's an hour earlier than it is or an hour later. What did we decide yesterday? I don't remember. Later. We were going to say it's an hour ahead of where it is. So we're going to say that now it's, it's 12.10. So yeah. as of now, I'm going to adjust my computer accordingly. Hold on, let me adjust my clock. So and as so of now... And so is on vacation, so we're going actually going an extra hour today. Right? What? Is that what we're going to say? Because then it's going to take us to 4 o'clock. Now, see, I don't, th- I, don't think we're g- I don't think we should give any explanation for it. I think we should just say, just say that the time is ahead of, okay. you know, hour ahead of what it is. And everybody who's listening now will sort of be privy to the gag, and everybody else will just be confused. And then that makes us all, then we can all feel smug and better than everybody else for the next few hours. So as of now, we are saying it is, I've just hit apply uh, on my Windows computer. It is now uh, 12.10 in the afternoon. 
As of tonight. As oh, you're going to mess up somebody's day. As of, as of now, we can only hope. As of now, it is 1210. Wait, let me let me set my watch ahead as well. Hold on. You know what's going to happen, You're going to shoot yourself in the foot with you, this. You know what's going to happen? You're going to have some fancy meeting, and you're going to mess Later, it. we are going to forget that, that, that we've actually done this, and then I'm going to yell at Richie about somebody being here at the wrong time. All right. Maybe I won't set my watch ahead. I'm going to leave my watch at the correct time. I'm setting my Windows uh, clock ahead an hour. So as of now, in Rick Emerson Universe time, it is now 12.11 in the afternoon. For the rest of the program, we are going to pretend that it's one hour ahead of where it actually is for no readily apparent reason. Bam! That's how easily amused we are. Just by adjusting a clock, I can make myself smile for the next three and a half hours. All right. Uh, CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins uh, will be joining us today to talk about Scott McClellan's book, which... You know, the weird thing about the Scott McClellan book is I can't believe... I mean, nobody can, can, can keep it secret anywhere, especially in Washington, D.C. It does seem a little astonishing that nobody knew this was coming. It's like it was somebody where everybody was sort of caught unawares by the whole thing. I mean, don't people have to read books before they're published? Aren't there the proofreaders and editors and, I don't know, some guy that sets the type or somebody who adjusts, adjusts the, the, you know, the... the the Guggenheim thing or whatever it is they print books on now. Whatever newfangled technology there is for making reading material. I mean, it seems like there has to have been dozens of people who read the book. I mean, unless he just sort of wrote it in some Unabomber cabin and then shoved it out underneath the door. You know, and Pony Express took it to Random House. Well, in any event. So we'll talk to Lisa Desjardins about that. Uh, Steve Kastenbaum will join us today. Is he talking about sex in the city again today? Because I'm going to have to draw the line at some point. Oh, because we got the thing today where uh, New York is going to start uh, recognizing gay marriages from other states. All right, there you go. The overthrow of society has become uh, has become inevitable now. Toaster ovens for all. Uh, let's see. Uh, what else? Uh, Morgan Grace is going to be in the studio with us later on today. I think she's got an EP coming out maybe like next week. Tuesday? I think it's on Tuesday. I think Morgan has an EP coming out on Tuesday. Uh, so she will be in the studio later on today uh, to favor us with a few uh, songs and to talk about that. Uh, Peter from Nickel Arcade will be in the studio later on to count down his top five. He'll be counting down the top five bands that kids cut themselves to in 2008. Uh, what else? Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer will join us today. Uh, it is High Concept Thursday as well. Also tonight, Lost Fanatics. Please to note, tonight the final lost until 2009. <clears throat> There you go. That's why I'm not even really excited about it. I'm, I'm not going to watch it tonight. Well, June, I might do this. July, August, September, October, November. Dude. No, I'm just trying to figure it out. Look, hey, you know, welcome to my hell. Welcome to every HBO series ever. Uh, I mean, the, the goddamn Sopranos are taking two and a half years between seasons. So, and, it, and that's assuming it starts in January, which it probably won't. When does it, when does it start next year? I mean, do you have any idea? No, Rick, I don't have any idea. So that's like a good seven months. How hard can it be you know, to write a television show? Like, I've, I've emotionally detached myself from Lost a little bit. Like, I still love it as much as I always have, but, you know, I know that it, it, it's going to hurt me eventually. So I can't. You're breaking up before they can dump you? Exactly. I'm sorry, J.J. Abrams. It's and not I'm still working out. I'm still a spaz about it, and I watch all the, you know, like, do all the viral stuff and look at all the stuff on the Internet, but... No, See, I can't. I can't be. I can't be toyed with like that. Here's the thing: is with every passing season, I become more and more convinced that my decision to quit watch, uh, watching Lost was correct. I think I made the right move. I really did. And I'm not saying it's not a quality show or an entertaining show, but I'm saying, do you see all the heartache that I'm sparing myself by just waiting until it's done? Yes. I'll watch it on DVD, and uh, you know what it is, and, and I'll get the smug satisfaction of watching it all in like a week, uh, uh, all at once, and not having to wait for the producers to just dole out new episodes when they feel like it. Because that's, I mean, that's kind of what I'm doing with Family Guy now. Uh, you know, Family Guy, I'm just able to go home and power load it. That's what I did with the first 
three seasons of uh, of The Wire, I think, because I came into The Wire kind of late, and I watched the first three seasons of that in about two and a half weeks. And then it was just sheer torture waiting for seasons four and five to roll out. And, you know, same thing with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. At least those came out on some kind of regular schedule, though. Man, the Sopranos, the Sopranos and the Shield. Jesus, I don't even remember when the last episode of The Shield was on. What is this? Where This is May? I don't even think it was this year. I think the last episode of The Shield that I saw was sometime last summer. But you know what? That has, Having said that, I don't really know that that's true. So, F that. I'll watch Lost when it's when it's all done and wrapped up. In a, it, uh, sometime between when the series theoretically ends and when they roll out the inevitable money-grubbing theatrical sequel, that's when I'll watch the whole series. So there you go. Done and done. Um, yeah, so Lisa Desjardins today, Steve Kastenbaum, Morgan Grace, uh, Peter from Nickel Arcade, Dorothy Carcassari, High Concept uh, Thursday. We have a Taser Watch coming up today, Penis Watch coming up today, and some of the most disturbing noises you've ever heard. Uh, Tim Riley working on the following stories for your edification on this Thursday. The Rose Festival waterfront is now open. Go ride the rides and mothers watch your daughters. A guy charged? I don't believe this. Now they're stealing playground equipment in Kelso. <laughs> <laughs> Childhood's end. Yep. Yeah. So uh, I guess they, they uh, stole the monkey bars and decided to cash in on that. An attractive lesbian couple is tossed out of a Meredith's game for public smooching. Senator Larry Craig will write a book about his restroom antics. A motivational speaker goes on a bender with a prison buddy, threatens to kill his girlfriend and son, and marks another friend in the face with a John Wayne statue. <laughs> It's already a great day, and we haven't even begun. That's wonderful. They're stealing playground equipment in Kelso, really? Yeah. Have you no shame? <laughs> no, they don't. At long last, have ye no shame? All right. What well, begins in Kelso always <laughs> spreads. Well, I thought that the, I didn't even think they had metal playground equipment anymore. I thought playground equipment was all plasticky and lame. I thought everything. I thought the schools now all had that stuff that looked like the McDonald's the Playland, where it was like a big habit trail that your children crawl around in. Well, whatever. All right. I mean, here's the thing. You know, the, the irony of this is, is that with it, everything that's metal, I was going to say everything that's not nailed down, but really even the things that are, be, even the nails, actually. Yeah. It's all being, everything made out of metal is just being, st here's a question. Where is this metal going to? I mean, I know they say to, to, scrapyard. to a scrapyard, but I mean, from, but I mean, where does it go from there? I guess it's melted down into something else. So is this just some sort of weird circle of life Lion King thing where... Something is made out of metal, let's say in this case, monkey bars, made out of metal, put at a playground, stolen by thieves, taken to the recycling center, melted down, sent back to the factory as melted down metal, turned back into playground equipment and put back on the playground? Yeah. Doesn't this seem like... So it's some sort of weird meth theft perpetual motion engine happening there. All right. Well, whatever. All right. Um... So that's all coming up, uh, your phone calls and so forth. Joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah Dillon. Hello, how are you? Hi, I'm just spectacular today. So you're going to record Lost but not watch Lost tonight. Well, because tonight's the... I know that you've had something come up until you won't be able to go to the Sex in the City premiere, uh, which is fine because you got to see it the other night. Yeah. But so now you're going to put off watching Lost until tomorrow? I think so, yeah. I mean, if it, it depends on what time I'm done with my thing today or and uh, whether or not if I am done early, if I go and meet up with my girlfriends. Because I was going to go with, like, you know, 15 of my friends to go and... Are they trying to go to that free screening at the Baghdad? Yeah, and it's, like, all wishful thinking. And oh, I it's going like, to be a zoo. They'll I never get in. I pulled them all aside, and I'm like, listen, I'm like, you have to understand that... It's a ninety percent chance that you're not going to never get in. Yeah, today. no, because it's one of those. It's one of those. And it's hard, and they're like, oh, well, we'll meet at like five or five thirty. I'm like, 
it's just it, it, it's just it's too big. It's just not gonna. You know, and those are, those are some of the happen. worst places to ever see a film on those free Thursday screenings because mm-hmm. it really is just like it's like everybody was just let out of the nut house uh, to go see those movies. So yeah, so you're lucky you got to see it when you did. I am. I, I know. I'm, I'm really fortunate because I know it's just going to be chaotic. And you were saying that a, even the theaters around town are already sold out for tomorrow. I heard. I mean, I don't really know, but I somebody told me yesterday. Uh, that screenings for tomorrow night of the Sex and the City movie are already starting to sell out, uh, and I don't know. I don't. Know, I mean, it's probably opening really wide, so to speak. But I. Uh, but I've heard that they've already started to be booked up. So mm-hmm. it's uh, yeah. So you really you were really fortunate this time. So good for you. Well done. Yeah, and Aaron and I recorded um, Film Fever Radio, and so we did the commentary thing. I think it's going to be up later tonight, but it is spoilerific. Excellent. So if you listen to it, it, it is. And then I want to thank our listener CJ who uh, came by the office today and actually dropped off seasons one through three of Family Guy for me. Uh, you he, Yeah, he dropped off the uh, his, his DVD set, so i got to watch that and get it back to him. But he dropped off yeah, the first three seasons of Family Guy. Because I started with season four. Uh, so now I can go back and watch seasons one through three, and then I, you know, I will be... Because it's been on for like six years, seven years, something like that. So that get to this, this way I will start. I will be nearly caught up uh, with the rest of humanity. All right, uh, let's do a couple of these calls, and then we'll talk about a few small bits of business. By bits of business, I just mean that Willamette Week thing that's going on now. That yes, best we've of... got to do that. Oh, and plus, right, did you sir, see... Sir, I'm putting you back on hold. Eric, hold on a second. That's... Did you see if the Mythbusters guys are going to be in town? In October, yeah. They're coming yeah. to the Schnitzer. So, yeah, are we you should... going to go see them? Oh, absolutely, yeah. You should totally have them in the studio. Yeah, no, it, 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 I saw, it was funny because we were just talking about them yesterday, Ugh. speaking of Mythbusters, because there was that, like, doctored photograph of Adam Savage that had been circulating on the net. Um, and so we had just talked about Mythbusters yesterday and the microwaving metal and microwaving distilled water and then you know, microwave safety in general, which is they've done several shows talking about these sort of microwave myths. Um, and we got the thing yesterday saying that they're going to be at the Schnitzer in October, so it's fantastic. Now, we're all over that. Um, so we'll get to these calls here in a second. Uh, by bits of business, I mean this best of Portland poll, about which I hadn't even really cared. I hadn't even really cared until Court and Fatboy started taunting us about it the other night. So if you go to uh, rickemerson.com, uh, you will see, I think, it's the, I think it's the first blog entry. I think it says Shameless Self-Promotion. And there's a little link there to the Willamette Week's Best of Portland poll, which I think only has a couple days left. I think they cl- I, I, think I thought it was going to be done. I think it's like end of business tomorrow. So I think it's by the Crap, end of tomorrow. Go. So we were apparently, I'm not trying to brag, I'm just saying without even trying, apparently we were up for most of it. I think we were in the lead for, for like the last few weeks just because, you know, because uh, you know, people dig us. So, you know, that's cool. That's great. And we, so we want to thank everybody who voted. But I guess Court and Fatboy sort of, I guess the Willamette had published this update of kind of where all the votes were. And I guess Aaron Geek in the City was out front for you know, for best blog, and apparently we were up by a substantial margin. And Court and Fatboy heard about it, and so I guess they've been relentlessly whoring the whole thing and trying to get people to vote for them. So, what's really important here is that we all band together and keep Gustav from winning. So, what I urge you to oh, do you now. Oh, you know you love Gustav. I do, but I'm just saying you got to. We have to keep it in the family, Sarah. It's true. Um, so go to rickemerson.com. There's a link there. It says click here. Uh, and people have sort of said, well, there's like 500 questions. And I don't really think you have to vote for everything. You don't. You don't. You could just fill out like one or two. Like it's just like voting for, you know, for the primary. It's like, like voting for a real election. Yep. Just vote for the things that interest you. Things that are dull or tedious, just skip them by. Uh, so Laura and I voted. And I think we only, I think we voted for like half the things. But I mean, yeah, but you don't have to fill out every, every category. Uh, so just go to rickemerson.com. You click there. And, I mean, it's probably too late at this point to bring Court and Fatboy in and have us make some hideous wager. Because I think the last time, the last bet we had with them was about the Transformers gross. When we ended up winning that, actually, and they and had the, 
They just said that their show was sponsored they by... They had to pimp our show every night for a week, so I think it's probably too late to have a wager with them, so we'll just have to lord shame and humiliation over them if we win. So go to rickemerson.com and uh, cast your vote for this or show. Or sarahxdillon.com. I'm whoring it right now. Is it at Riley Live? It, it, I think it is, yes. Okay, so or go to RileyLive.com and uh, vote for us in the uh, Willamette Week's Best of Portland poll. So there you go. So there's that. All right. Let's do these uh, calls and we'll take a break. Come back with Lisa Desjardins. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Hi, Rick. This is Eric. I was uh, thanking, calling to thank you for the uh, extra hour ahead of time because right now I'm enjoying the lovely news of the talented Tim Riley instead of listening to your endless lam- yeah, yammering and self-promotion. So in an alternate universe, it is, in fact, an hour into the future and you're not having to hear me speak at all. <laughs> it is the most beautiful of all universes. Thank you. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Have a good day. Best audience ever. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Good morning. What's up? Uh, random trivia. Uh, one for Rick first. Uh, uh, the movie, uh, the HBO movie Recount that you were discussing with Lisa Desjardins. Yes, today. sir. Uh, you know who wrote that? I do not. Uh, Danny Strong. Wait, of, uh, why do of, I know? Uh, why do I know Danny Strong? You know Danny Strong as uh, as Jonathan on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and also really? as Doyle uh, on Gilmore Girls. Yes. And he wrote, wrote Recount. Recount. Good for him. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Jonathan was always sort of an underappreciated character on Buffy. I agree. All right, excellent. Good uh, for that. Okay. Next, next thing for Sarah. Uh, tonight, uh, the Lost finale. Are you going to spoil something? Uh, what's that? Are you, you're not going to spoil anything, right? Not, I'm not going to spoil anything except uh, you know that they're rerunning the, uh, the the last ep- the previous episode before this last two-parter, right? I heard that yeah, that it starts at nine tonight, right? And they're right. Well, and there's going to be uh, the in rerunning the uh, it's a three-part finale. They already showed part one tonight, so they're showing parts two and three. When rerunning part one, they're going to show uh, either an alternate and or expanded uh, version of the press conference scene with new questions. <gasps> That's awesome. Milking it okay, for every how awesome was that episode last week with that musical montage at the end when all of them were like kind of walking toward their different fates? Wasn't that the coolest thing the, you've ever seen? The chess pieces moving into place oh, in slow motion. Oh, my yes. God. Yeah. To- okay, I you know what? Wait. There's no way I can't watch it tonight. I, I've, I've got to go home oh, and watch it. I know. Right. God damn it. Okay. Thanks. One more thing. Yes. Your top five yesterday. Uh, yes, the lead singer of Joy Division always sounds like that. Really? He always sounds like he's singing he's, from another no, studio down like the road. All right. Well, he's dead now. He doesn't sound like anything. But uh, but at the time when he was recording, yes, okay. he always sounded like that. He enunciates less clearly these days. Yes. All right. Yes. Thank you, my friend. Where, you, where are you calling from? Uh, this is Tom in Salt Lake. This is uh, Tom from Sons of Nothing. Oh, and you are in, are you listening to the stream right now? Well, listening to the stream. All right. I'm glad we could give you a little light behind the Zion curtain, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, my friend. All Goodbye. Right. Have an iceberg for me. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. I have a traffic alert for you. Yes. Um, I-84 eastbound. Where? I-84 eastbound. No. The I-84? On the I-84 eastbound. The I-84. You're so obnoxious. It's a Hood River Bridge. There's a tractor trailer that did a power slide across the lane and is blocking off the uh, wow. the right-hand lane there. That's no good. So, so could I request Jerry Reeves eastbound and down? <laughs> yes, yes you can, and we'll play it. Thank that's, you. That's how much the Rick Emerson cares. Jerry Reed, uh, only if you say the I-84 one more time. Um, and that's out on the I-84 here, just east of the Hood River Bridge. God bless you. You're a good person. Thank you. Hey, thanks, sir. Bye now. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Is it me? Yes, it is. Hello, sir. Uh, hey, this is Clint. Uh, I got a couple of uh, free passes to that Sex in the City premiere tonight at the Baghdad. Mm-hmm. 
You're saying it's an absolute madhouse, huh? Well, here's yeah, the thing. It's like it's, is everybody with a vagina with, in, like, 50 <laughs> miles is going to be there. I'm and not, so I mean, many stations and different, like, media outlets and, like, stores and yeah. everything have all been giving out the same passes, so it's no guarantee. Oh. That's the thing. Is like every, People are probably in line right now. Every media outlet, as she really nailed it, every, every media outlet in, in the state is trying to leverage onto this because it's a way to get exposure and whatever. And, I mean, I get, there's going to be any any number of radio stations there, I would imagine. Everybody's been giving away passes to this movie for about ten days. And so every single woman in the world is going to be converging on the Baghdad tonight. I'm not saying don't go. I'm just saying get there early. And, and, you've gotta, and you've got to be mentally yeah. sound enough to know that and you're know that probably not going to get in. And that if you do, it's just going to be a zoo. Gotcha. Well, so, I'm going to have to break it to my wife then. Yeah, I'm sure you're heartbroken. Yeah, I'm I'm terribly heartbroken. Right. Thank you. Hey, did you guys uh, Did you guys get that police log that I scanned for you? Oh, is that about the baby in the burrito? No, that was your police log. No, that was one with the uh, the golf. <laughs> no, you'll have to try resending it, sir. Okay, I appreciate it. All right, thank you. All right, we have to break. Oh, is that Lisa calling right now? I bet that's, that's Lisa calling right now. Well, yeah. for the love of God. All right, well, let's just do this. Let's do this thing. Let's show them what we're made of. Let's. Uh... Welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, CNN Radio Correspondent from the Hill, Lisa Desjardins. Hello, Lisa. How are you today? Hello. How are you? I am fantabulous. That's how I am. How's life? How are things? Quintessence of fabulousness. That's great. So I have a question for you. Let's talk about uh, Scott McClellan. My question okay. is this. How is it possible... Uh, wait, hold on one second. Now, see, now, Sarah, the hum isn't back, but there's a crackling in the right channel. Do you hear that? You know, I honestly think there's something wrong with the right channel of my headphones, so I can't really hear. I, there's a cycling pop that's happening. Can you, uh, is Tim's uh, machine turned on? Yeah. Can you pop that down for a second? There we go. There I it is hear, again. I hear, yeah. It sounds like a record being at like the it, end of a... Exactly. It sounds like it's in the runoff matrix of a record, and it's just popping going... Okay, well, we'll just try it from the other one again today. Can you? Is that okay? Can you hear me? No, it's, no, it's fine. Okay. Yeah, no, that's good. All right. Sorry about that. There's uh, some uh, glitchiness that we're trying to sort out here. There are these mystery noises that sometimes only I can hear. Sometimes everybody can hear them. Sometimes only Tim can hear them. So it's kind of a whole radio gaslight thing happening where we think that may, you, know, you can never really tell when there's actually glitchiness and when we're all just hallucinating. Uh, all right, so let's talk about Scott McClellan. So... Uh, Everybody's sort of registering all this shock and amazement at the Scott McClellan book, but I guess my question is, how did nobody know before this that it was coming? I mean, don't people have to read this book before it gets published? Well, they, they don't vet the entire book uh, often to the people mentioned in the book, but in fact, the White House did get some excerpts of this book back in the fall uh, at Camp David. In fact, we're told that President Bush saw some of those and that other members of his team saw these excerpts. And at the time, they were saying, wait a second, this this is not something that we like. But they say when they responded uh, that they were told that those excerpts actually were uh, sort of overwrought, that they were stronger than the actual book was going to be, and that the the book itself, when it was finally published, would be uh, more tame and more toned down. Well, in fact, it went the other direction. If you uh, listen to the White House crew, they say that, in fact, this is much worse than the excerpt even that they saw and did not like back in the fall. And so the... Uh... So I mean, this is going to be a thing that is probably dominating the news cycle up until... Well, when does the book actually come out? Is it Monday, Tuesday? Right, next week. And the deal is that Scott McClellan started interviews today with his interview on the Today Show. Then tomorrow he has more interviews, including Situation Room. So it's sort of this lead-up to the release of the book next week. Ugh, all right. And 
I mean, I just, it, it, it does strike me as, it, here's the thing. When did he leave that position at the White House? Ooh, you've got me on that. Now, he, huh, I don't know when he left. Because he I... He was the predecessor to Tony Snow, so I believe it was about uh, two years ago, a year and a half. Because you always sort of wonder if there's, like, non-disclosure agreements that people have to, I mean, certainly when people write, I mean, this sounds like a weird comparison to make, but I mean, when people leave, you know, Survivor, uh, you know, that's the reason why you don't really see any tell-all books from inside those television programs is because Mark Burnett really holds their feet to the fire and they sign these ironclad agreements agreeing kind of not to squeal about anything. So it's sort of strange that a guy who actually speaks for the President of the United States is able to kind of roll out a, a, a book like this. Is this... Well, being being a government employee, though, even though his 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 boss is the president, being a government employee, I don't believe the government can impose those kinds of limits on him. Now, he can't talk about any classified material that he's aware of, but as far as relaying what he believes to be the truth, I don't think the government can stop him uh, from getting that across while he was working as a public employee. The observation we were making yesterday is that it is sort of in, it, it's indicative, I think, uh, of of how. Um, a, how the Bush administration is sort of in the final uh, the final moments of their reign, and B, how, regardless of one's partisan views, that they're just it, the sort of the culture of gravitas that once surrounded the Bush administration and Karl Rove in particular has just sort of diminished because you can't see. I couldn't see somebody doing this two and a half years ago. No. I mean, there, it seems like there would have been a fear that you just end up in a bag at the bottom of the river somewhere. Uh, no, no, you definitely, you definitely would not have heard this two years ago. And in fact, now looking it up on the internet, it was just over two years ago uh, that he announced he was leaving uh, the White House. So you know, it was around this time, two years ago, that he was saying goodbye. But you're right; two year, the, it really is a change. This is White House is known. We've talked about this before for being airtight, uh, for for not leaking, for having this incredible coat of loyalty, sort of chainmail um, across its doors, and and so oh, for a White House to have that kind of reputation that was deserved for such a long time, and then have one of the key players here. Now he didn't know everything. He wasn't sort of on the inside inside circle, but he was still a main player in the White House. To have him come out with such uh, incredibly strong charges. And words is really uh, a political stunner. It's, it's something that you that is very rare in politics to see someone like Scott McClellan that was actually, settle these kinds of charges. That was going to be my next question, actually, is to say that uh, even though there's been, I was, we were talking uh, yesterday, I think, about George Stephanopoulos, who put out a book after he'd left that position. It, but this is kind of without precedent, right? Would you say that this is the? Would you say this is sort of the biggest, um, the biggest sort of. I don't want to say expose, but book of this sort that's come out in recent memory. I mean, because I can't think of anything else like this. Right. We talked about Stephanopoulos. I think certainly for the past two presidents, yes, I know I know that that's true. Uh, and I, I can't think of any anything like this for uh, the first President Bush by any means. I, I, I can't think of anything comparable in the last couple of decades. But, but that doesn't mean it's not there. I haven't researched that. But certainly for these last two presidents, that's right. And, and for I think it's particularly noteworthy because this is a man who was – the spokesman for the president. He is the one who was the mouthpiece of the president, now using his his own words in the opposite direction. I, so it's kind of it's kind of this height of of contradiction now. Let me just say this actually. Here's here's an idea. Uh, some sort of a uh, some sort of a sidebar story uh, that CNN or somebody could present. There ought somebody ought to do a story. And I think that this could have been done in the Clinton years, too. But uh, somebody ought to do a story about the sort of whole parallel economy that exists predicated on the dislike of George W. Bush. 
You know what? I'll tell you what. It would be interesting to do a side-by-side on which economy was worth more, the anti-Bush economy see? or the anti-Hillary economy. There it is right there. That's, see, somebody in my... I, I, I can't bet money on which one. Uh, I think there may be more anti-Hillary books. Well, I think you would have to to be a fair to do a fair comparison though you would have to be, you would have to put it just their tenure in office. Okay. Because I mean because by definition people have been hating the Clintons since I mean at least in a national sense for the last 16 years. Whereas they've only had at this point they've only had, you know, seven and a half years or whatever to really start disliking or, or making hay out of their dislike for George W. Bush. So well, you got to give advantage Bush because there, there were there was a whole cottage anti-Hillary campaign certainly when her president when her husband was president i mean there's still books coming out about bill and hillary clinton at this point but on the other hand you got to look at i would say it would be fair to say that because of george w bush i i mean you have i i would say at this point 80 percent of the stuff that michael moore has done uh, (laughs) has been has been directly related to george w bush the reason that the uh, ill-fated air american network came into existence was to counter what they saw as radio being a mouthpiece for the bush administration I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a, uh, you know, that that movie recount, which is airing right now, is not strictly anti George W. Bush, but I think that I think if George W. Bush were a more popular president, that movie about the Florida recount probably wouldn't be on TV right now. So this is Uh, me. I don't know. These these are all sort of nuances to figure out. These are all lilies that one can gild. These are good questions. You wonder. I don't know. So I'm just I would read such an article if somebody were to do a side by side comparison of the shadow economy uh, economy that exists predicated on the dislike of a president. I I would be in as well. I'd be in as well. All right. There you go. Now there is also uh, Portland actually has made a little bit of news today. Slightly. But apparently it hasn't reached Portland. This is my dramatic pause while I wait for you to tell me what I clearly don't know. <laughs> Good. This was, uh, you know, this list came out from the Brookings Institution today of the carbon footprint of America's top 100 cities. And uh, Can I interrupt you for a second? Yes. I don't really know what that means. Yeah, right, right, exactly. It's a, it's a good question. The carbon footprint, it, everyone defines it differently in terms of what exactly has gone into the mathematical, boop, 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 you know, calculation. <laughs> Yes. Is that is that as Maxwell Smart is standing in front of the computer trying to deduce the identity of a secret agent and the huge computer panel is blinking before it spits out a small piece of paper the size of a bank receipt? In Wonder Woman. Yeah. Was it Ira? I can't remember. Um, If I got that right, I will be amazed. But yes, the huge Wonder Woman computers was but Maxwell Smart same computer probably same set. But anyway, basically what Brookings looked at is how much carbon dioxide is your city giving off from your houses, meaning heating and cooling your homes, uh, electricity, everything to power your home, as well as from transportation, how everyone gets back and forth to work, how everyone gets to where they want to go. And they ranked the country's largest 100 cities based on the carbon dioxide emitted from transportation Mm -hmm. and from homes. And then they rank them uh, per capita. So how much is each person in these cities sort of responsible for, if you want to break it down that way? And out of the 100 cities, Portland, third lowest. Wait, so is that, is that, so that good? Means very, that means if, if you like carbon dioxide, it's bad. But if you like the earth, it's good. Well, we're full of hippies. So I don't, yeah, I don't want to be biased toward the earth. Doesn't but. surprise me. Well, here's the thing. Here's I try to increase my carbon footprint because I love trees. That's the thing. <laughs> I, because trees need carbon dioxide, and so Rick Emerson tries to help. Sometimes I just turn my car on in the driveway, and I just let it idle for eight or nine hours. Well, it would be nice if you could actually attach a hose with some sort of very large funnel at the end and then kind of 
really focus it toward a nearby tree. Just spray it towards a nearby uh, towards <laughs> a nearby arboretum. And see what would happen. I'm sure that tree would prosper. Before we end, let me just say that I don't remember the name of the supercomputer in Wonder Woman, but I do remember the name of the supercomputer in the television show uh, Matt Houston, uh, oh, starring yeah. Lee Horsley. And, and I was thinking his computer was named Baby, and I was confusing that with the computer in Wonder Woman. Wow. So there you go. Amazing. Um, one other thing, I, I'm dragging this whole carbon footprint thing along, I'm sorry, um, is that Portland, number three, in terms of you know the best, uh, beat out by Honolulu, which was number one, no shocker there. But L.A., my friends, the citizens of Los Angeles are more green, according to this, uh, survey than Portland, bizarrely. That is sort of strange, especially when you consider the fact that when you go to that city, everything just seems so covered in carbon monoxide and <laughs> filth that you have to scrub yourself. I mean, well, you... apparently what Los Angeles has going for it is its weather. So the citizens of Los Angeles actually don't have to heat their homes in general. Wow. So yeah. that, that they use less energy because well, of that. And... Just another reason for people in Portland to dislike California. Right. That's why, that's why I bring it up. And also another reason for anyone who wants to bike to work to do so. Thanks so much. You're welcome. We're losing your connection. I can't hear you. <laughs> All right. Lisa Desjardins, thank you. Thank you. Bye now. All right. Here you go. A little... All right. Fantastic. Shall we take a break? Oh, we shall. Let's come back. We'll talk to Steve Kastenbaum around the corner. Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Later on, Morgan Grace will be in the studio. Peter from Nickel Arcade will be here. We'll talk to Dorothy Costaseri from the National Enquirer. Top five songs that kids cut themselves to in 2008. Taser Watch and uh, Thai Concept Thursday. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't go anywhere. Rick Emerson delivers. Yes, he does. Where? Yeah. I used to listen to this song over and over and over and over and over when I was a kid. I had this on a K-Tel record called Kickin' Country. They just on the front had a huge mug of beer and a cowboy boot. Circled in rope. Uh, this is Jerry Reed for that guy uh, that called up early and was talking about that wreck on the I-84. And then in exchange for... Jeff. In exchange for giving us that information, he demanded that we play Eastbound and Down by Jerry Reed. There you go, sir. We have fulfilled our part of the bargain. Our karma is now equal. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. From New York City, CNN Radio correspondent to the star, Steve Castamount. Hello, sir. Hey. Can you name, can you name the, uh, the film from which that song derives? Smokey and the Band. There you go. That's what I'm talking about. All right. How's life, brother? How are things? They're great. Uh, Sex in the City seems to have worn off, at least for the day, but then tomorrow we have the national opening again. Actually, I was just going to say, you've got sort of a 24-hour oh, downtime between the premiere and then you've got uh, the, the actual, the wide release, as they say, uh, tomorrow. So you're going to be all out there, I don't know, covered in Cosmo spray again. A one-day reprieve. Yeah. Well, but, you know, here's the thing. is by, You'll have to talk about it Monday, because on Monday you'll have to talk about whatever the weekend grosses were, but then by Tuesday you can put it safely in your rearview mirror. I forgot about Monday, thanks. Yeah, no. 
I, I didn't because my wife is already making plans to go see it this weekend. Um, so, and, and she, here's the great thing about my wife is she at no point it, it, it asked me to go. She doesn't expect me to go. She knows that I won't be going. So she and her girlfriend are going to go out and see it. And then, you know, and I'll get to hear about it. And then on Monday, we'll hear about the fact that it made $900 billion. And then somebody will, okay, wait, hold on. Here's what you should do. You should do this. You should do some sort of, uh, I'm full of these zany sidebar article ideas today. You should do, some sidebar feature piece about the sex in the city, like on Monday where everybody else is just going, and it grossed $84 million, which makes it the fourth biggest May opening uh, since uh, 1952, but only the third biggest opening since 1980 or whatever. Instead of doing that, you should do something where you take the sex in the city movie gross and you try to calculate how many pairs of shoes you could buy with it. Ooh, I like that. Or, no, 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 how about this? How about... Uh, how about you? How many sho- like you know, how many shoes you could buy with it? How many yes Cosmos you could buy with it? Um, you should uh, and there should be something about the let's see um, if you, you should find some way to, to use the example of if all these shoes were laid end to end you could blah 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 to the moon something yeah. like that. Like you're in the Tuesday morning pitch meetings with us at CNN Radio. I'm telling you, this is, is one of my one of my small abilities. One of my small talents is to come up with stories that the common man wants to hear, or in this case, the common woman. So yeah, I, I'm I'm going to go with the one about how many shoes you can buy with that. I like that. You call it the shoeometer or something like that. Like uh, that. Yeah, and so you just. Well, you know, and then I can already hear you doing it when you're talking to some guy at, like, at KFWB or something. You're saying, well, that's true. The Sex in the City movie did gross $74 million in its three-day opening weekend. And for those ladies in the audience that might wonder how much money that is, that's enough to buy 720,000 pairs of Prada shoes. Steve Kastenbaum from CNN. There you go. See? Dolce and Gavana sunglasses. No, see, that's, the, the story does itself, my friend. It's really, it's a great idea, and I will actually, I will totally rip it off. They don't even have to give me credit. Thank you. You can take it and have that as your own. All right. Um, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry if I sound like distant, but I just got totally distracted by Miles uh, O'Brien on CNN right now describing the problems with the toilet on the space shuttle. Did you hear about this? How much, Brian? Uh, Miles (laughs) O'Brien. I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. Anytime there's a Miles O whatever, I have to go with it. No, we we talked about this yesterday. That the space. Why would you not take a backup toilet to this? You're gonna be in space. Well, the funniest thing is, you know, he's up there. uh, He's on TV describing how this suction apparatus works. Uh huh. And then they have this one of the female astronauts in the in the space station or the shuttle or whatever. Like showing the tube and then this uh. little like drain sort of thing that I guess you sort of hover over in in weightlessness and, and it started me thinking what is it like going to the bathroom in zero gravity? Now this may or may not surprise you depending upon your read of this show, but we've actually had a long sort of mechanical discussion on the show about a month and a half ago about how you um, evacuate in zero gravity. I'm a day late and a dollar uh, short. Well, I didn't, I didn't really, uh, I didn't really understand. And truth, truth be known, I still don't really understand because it seems like that's a sort of suction that has to be very carefully regulated, or else, uh, yeah, or else all of your insides are going to end up in space. I mean, think of all those horror stories about guys having horrible, tragic mishaps in uh, uh, hot tubs yes. around the world. You that's know? What, that's what I'm talking about, right on that suction drain thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and let's be, and let's just speak in terms that uh, that the audience will understand. Let's talk about the ending of every alien movie uh, ever, where something is killed by being blown out the airlock. 
Yeah. Right, you know what I mean? Where you just no, 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 just shoot a shoot a hole through that window, and then the alien gets sucked up against the glass, and then the alien gets pulled through a little hole the size of a ping pong ball, and okay. ends up a big big pile of pink goo in space. I mean, really, it's I'd rather just hold it until we get to the next rest station on Mars. You know what I mean? Yeah, take a lot of emodium. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> we'll go out on that line. That's genius. Um, so. Uh, okay, so from Prada shoes to toilets to gay marriage, so, um, so, so one is, so the deal is, correct me if I'm wrong here, so the deal is in New York, they are gonna start recognizing gay marriages. In other words, if you're married, if you're, uh, in a gay marriage in another state, it will also now be valid in New York. Right. Basically, here in New York, they they have a bill in the state legislature that passed in one house recognizing gay marriage, making it legal here, but it's been completely stalled in the Senate in committee. Uh, they won't even bring it up for a debate on the floor, so it's not going anywhere. So the governor uh, just announced that uh, he's ordering state agencies and offices to take steps to recognize gay marriages performed in other states where it's legal, as well as uh, those marriages performed in Canada. So uh, I was talking to a woman who actually is from New York. She and her uh, wife uh, live here in New York, but they actually went up to Massachusetts in 2004 and got married, and they talked about uh, what this means for them. This morning when our kids came down for breakfast, you know, to be able to show them the cover of the New York Times and talk about it at breakfast to say, you know, finally uh, things are going to start to be fair was a, is a huge deal for us. That's basically how they feel about it. Well, and I mean, it, it seems like this is a thing they have to do, right, because the the full faith and credit clause of the Constitution, doesn't it say that if something, that laws have to be sort of recognized, that rights have to be recognized everywhere? I mean, I think that's that's sort of why, the, the, I mean, it's also the right thing to do, obviously, but I think that they, I think that the, the, the states that don't recognize gay marriage from other states, they're, they're going to be on the losing end of this eventually in court, so they think, you know, it's, it's just easier to save themselves the court cl- uh, cost uh, by just acknowledging what they're going to be forced to acknowledge someday anyway. Well, well, it's all in the fine print. I mean, take take the abortion issue, for example. Uh, you know, different states uh, have different rules and regulations regarding abortion. In some states, it's almost uh, illegal to have an abortion again because they've made it so difficult to get one. Uh, so, And then there are states like New York where it's uh, very easy uh, to obtain an abortion. So uh, it's a state-by-state thing, you know. So you're right, though. This is definitely going to come up in debates at state capitals across the country this year. And will this inject itself again into presidential politics as it did four years ago? Um, I just, I mean, it's one of those one of those things that, just if I may inject a slice of personal philosophy here, that in 2008, I cannot believe that we don't have bigger things to worry about. I mean, it just, the, the, the fact that there are still people squabbling over who is allowed to get married and who isn't, I mean, it just seems like there's a whole swath of America, uh, specifically in the sort of bumpkin belt, who people who just need to step in, they don't even have to step into the 21st century. If they just wanted to step into, like, maybe the 1980s, that'd be fine. And, you know, and it's funny, that's a perfect setup for the, the final piece of sound that I had from this woman. When, uh, when she was talking about the whole idea of gays and lesbians being married, she said... It's funny, because in a way, what we're really fighting for is access to be conventional. Yeah, I, uh, it's funny that um, there's a guy named Dan Savage. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He writes sort of a love and sex advice column in a lot of alternative weeklies. Um, I think at one point it was in the Village Voice, but I might be wrong about that. Anyway, he writes this column called Savage Love, and he wrote a book 
called Skipping Towards uh, Gomorrah, uh, which was about the sort of rise of hedonism in America. And he had uh, one of the best pieces of writing I have ever read about uh, the push for gay marriage. And he noted that as that the in the, in um, that in in straight culture in the straight society, there's been so much with because of the internet. I think there's been such a rise in promiscuity, and I'm not passing judgment. I'm just saying there's a rise in people's sexual behavior in the so-called culture of hooking up, which is just sort of meeting up for sex and nothing else. And how women who once were viewed as seeking more traditional relationships are now more sexually active for its own sake. Blah 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 blah. So, yet, while on the other side, uh, you know, you've got gay couples who are sort of striving to become more conventional, who are wanting to embody what is traditionally viewed as more of the the conservative American ideal of being committed and so forth. And he noted that in, in a strange way, it is almost as if both sides of the aisle are kind of attempting to, to sort of cross over a little bit into what is predominantly viewed or has been traditionally viewed as, as the provenance of the other culture. It's just very, it's just, a, it is a, it is a really... It's a really strange argument, and I think that in 50 years we're going to look back and, you know, and just can't. We're not going to be able to believe that we spent so much time and energy worrying about this. So yeah, the same way we did about you know giving women the vote. Seriously, know? I mean, just get past it, Jesus. Yeah. All right. Look at this across the screen on CNN. Ellen DeGeneres now plans to get married. Really good for her. Excellent. Now, is she truly registered somewhere? Can I ask, because I know that there was this whole thing where somebody claimed that she was registered somewhere, and it turned out it was a bit of a prank. But if she's truly registered somewhere, I myself will pony up to get her something. That's, Maybe that's like some uh, some corn cob holders or something. That's really nice of you. Hey, by the way, as we get ready to wrap this up, um, I know Miles O'Brien works for CNN, but somebody, had, or, but somebody had said, hey, Rick, does Miles O'Brien work for CNN or for NASA? If he worked for NASA, that would be fantastic, because Miles O'Brien was the transporter chief on Star Trek The Next Generation. So No, it's, really? Apparently it's true. So, um, And the chief on Deep Space Nine. So how perfect would it be if at some point Miles O'Brien worked for NASA? That would really be wonderful. You know, he really is a big space buff. He, I once watched him do an interview with the astronauts, you know, live while they were on the space shuttle. So that's, that's, I'll have to talk to him about that. He's pretty great. You know, well, you know what Miles O'Brien looks like? Miles O'Brien looks like a 1980s uh, TV anchor. Do you know what I mean? He yeah. just has that kind of great sort of throwback, sort of big square-jawed look to him. So, mm-hmm. all right. Yeah. One more time, Steve. How much, Brian? <laughs> Miles O'Brien. That's right. Steve Kastenbaum, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. So long. Steve Kastenbaum. Wonderful. Excellent. Genius. All right. Who wants to take a break and then come back into the news hour? I do, I do. Overflowing with enthusiasm you are, Tim. No, 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 rein it in. No, save some of that excitement for the news. All right. It's 12.58. Back after this. Just saying. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Miles O'Brien. Uh, nothing's as funny as Miles O'Toole, though. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. This email says, Rick, giving women the right to vote, just the last in a long history of mistakes. The, the slight... 
The slide. Really? The slide started with just letting them address us by our first names. I agree with you, sir. What's his email address? Uh, he actually signs it. Name and email withheld for safety reasons. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen of the Ministry of Truth, pay heed to Tim Riley. Time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Here on the waterfront, village is open. What? The waterfront village. The thing with all the rides on the waterfront? Tom McCall Waterfront Park. Oh, I thought the waterfront village. What's that? What's that? I thought the Waterfront Village was that series of shops down by where Intercom used to be, or where Intercom is. Isn't oh, well, we're talking about a different one. Oh, no, Bridgeport is totally different. That's in the suburbs. Mm. Okay. But this is the thing with all the rides out at the Waterfront. Oh, the sort of ad hoc amusement park? Yeah. yeah. And uh, you get it for free until 5 on weekdays. Really? Yeah, so all you troublemakers, you, uh, you don't have to pay the... Uh, Regular mission charge, which is five bucks. If you're done jumping turnstiles on the max, you can but go down. Turn and... weekday, so I can't go on Saturday. Well, it... you, well, you can go, but you have to pay. Are yeah. you going on Saturday? I don't know. Maybe I, I always go to every waterfront thing that they have because I like doing, you know, I like something different. Yeah. See, and I, I, I even typically... went down to the the Mardi Gras or whatever or the Cinco de Mayo thing. I uh, I typically don't, but I was informed that we'll be going this year because I made that I didn't mention this yesterday. I made the mistake of admitting that I'd never ridden a Ferris wheel, and so my wife just upbraided me for being a bad American. She's like, "You've never ridden you a Ferris totally, wheel." You should totally go to Oaks Park to prepare for it. <sighs> Oaks Park okay. is the uh, that's the amusement park with the roller skating thing. And Have the... you ever been there? No. It is amazing. It's like it's like something out of the fifties. Like there are all kinds of there are Ferris wheels and there's a roller coaster and they have like an old shooting gallery. Tomorrowland. No, I know. <laughs> Autopia. Uh, the House of Tomorrow. No, I'm kind of a bad Portlander because my wife has gone there several times and I haven't. I actually. only went there for the first so. time a few weeks ago. Is that where you went skating with uh, with the farmer? Yeah, well, we went skating, but that was like at night when we went skating. But we went on a bike ride and then went there during the day. So I think we're going to do uh, this weekend. I think we're going to do the whole uh, the whole experience where we have funnel cakes and corn dogs and uh, music, and they have uh, jugglers and clowns, clowns and magicians, too. jugglers and clowns and monster trucks. Okay, where Wait, where on the waterfront? Ooh. Monster trucks. How do they have monster trucks on the waterfront? I don't know. That'll be fun to see. All right. Maybe they didn't figure that. They haven't tried them yet. So they're sitting there waiting to be started up. Well, at least there's one fun place left for kids. Not so in Kelso. That big metal jungle gym that was the centerpiece of the playground over at the barn school. It was the only place of joy in Kelso, Tim. Now it's just a big empty space, and the kids want to know Why? Why? Well, the questions are difficult to answer, especially when it comes to drug use. I, 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 I really feel like this absolutely requires, um, oh, for the love of God, I'm trying to, uh, I'm trying to load our very special music. All right, uh, go ahead, Tim. This was 17 feet wide, six feet tall, roughly the shape of a geodrome. Investigators believe the thieves used bolt cutters to take it apart. Police have called metal recycling companies in Washington and Oregon, hoping somebody will spot the cut-off pieces and notify authorities. So far, no suspects, no clues, no insurance payment. No hope. Nope. No joy. No. No laughter, Tim. No children. Leave Kelso for better surroundings. I have, I have, a, I have a picture of the bygone days of happy children climbing this. Oh, it's one of those things. It's like a big dodecahedron or whatever those things oh, are called. Oh, the big, like, half-dome thing? Yeah, yeah. yeah I thought... Oh, I loved those when I was a kid. I thought you were talking about... left to love. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are in Kelso. I mean, really. I One of those... I thought you were talking about one of those things where it was like the square... Oh, I know what you're talking about. The square about. climbing thing within the rectangular climbing thing in the middle of it. You know no, what I mean? not this time. 
No. You know what I'm talking about? Where it's like a, it is like a, like a fort kind it's of? like a square made out of monkey bars. You know what I mean? And then in the middle of it is a smaller rectangular uh, sort of uh, climbing bar this is like setup. a ball cut in half. Yeah, this is no, exactly but that's, what, that's what I grew up with. Yeah, the big like, yeah. domes. I don't even know how you would take one of those apart. I mean, aren't they cemented into the ground? Apparently so, but somebody planned this and executed it well. Now the children suffer. <laughs> Enjoy your meth, you meth addicts. <laughs> I mean, we okay. hope you choke up. <laughs> that's the way it's ingested. <laughs> I mean, who who takes apart a gigantic piece of piece of playground equipment? I mean, it doesn't even doesn't even make any sense. Uh, all right. You know what meth addicts are? Meth addicts are like those ants uh, in the forest that will come out of. They do the time lapse photography where they just like they eliminate an entire moose carcass or something over the course of like a week. They'll show, you know, the dead coyote by the side of the road is soon completely taken away by thousands and thousands of ants who take their booty back to the nest. You know, and then they show, like, the sped-up film, and there's, like, five million ants coming, and then like, all this stuff is a skeleton. That's what meth addicts are in our fair city, Tim. Jesus. All right. Well, here's something even bizarre. More bizarre, I should say. A man accused of assault on a max train says he hopes the alleged victim will, quote, be a man about it, unquote. Uh, police say Anthony Carrillo began to harass another man at a max stop in Hillsborough and then followed him onto another train... The victim told police that Carrillo started punching him when he stood up to call for help, and the fight lasted several minutes. Carrillo said the man uh, pulled a gun on him during the fight. Well, police said he had a license to carry a concealed weapon. Uh, Carrillo believes the charges are too harsh, and it was just a harmless scuffle. The guys were just trading some licks. He says, quote, I'm hoping the guy will come to his senses and realize it's just a fight and that's that. Be a man about it. <laughs> Unquote. Um... I'm sorry, I hate to interrupt the news here. Is, it, is there something wrong with your microphone? Mine? Yeah, it's that you can almost not even be heard. Is it on? There we go. Okay, that's better. I think the microphone... Maybe I should uh, join Joy Division. I, uh, <laughs> I think... Uh, New order. I think New you order. might need to angle the microphone a little more toward yourself there. I, I didn't have to in the past. No, I think it, it, it was... Yeah, but that's like how I have to turn up mine like progressively more. It was omnidirectional, day. but I wonder if somehow the directionality of that microphone has been a, has been a little tweaked or something. Well, Matt said he's going to come in because there's a bunch of problems with the board and he's going to like tweak some stuff. That's great. Then they're going to cut out the studio and sell it for meth money. Uh, this guy has a really good question about this. He says, what sort of scrap metal dealer believes that a group of men itching their necks and covered in scabs happen to have their own metal jungle gym? I mean, really, honestly. Uh, and that they now chose to dismantle it and sell it. That's, I think, the, the angle of all of these stories, like in Kelso, where the children cry. I think that's the angle that hasn't really been properly explored here. Why doesn't somebody go and ask all of these metal buyers... Like what? Like what gives? I mean, with, like when a mess dealer shows up with a big, with a big wheelbarrow full of battleship parts, doesn't anybody go like, "Where did you get this?" Well, I, uh, my dad left me the USS Intrepid, and so I thought I'd start cutting it up and selling it. I, this does seem like a, like a demand side business. Yeah. Does this sound better now? Yes, it does. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, we solved the problem. No, 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 beautiful. No, it's not even you. I think I think the directionality on the microphone has somehow been tweaked over the last couple of days because it's it's like if you were not right on it, it was getting like a kind of a hollow sound to it. Ridiculous. It is. All right, let's see here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, Rick. What's up? Damn, Tara. Are you calling about the tragedy in Kelso, sir? It's it's a horrible tragedy because now they have nothing else to do. No, it's true. Now now sitting around and huffing Krylon all day. 
Well, wasn't there a story a little while ago about a 12-year-old robbing a, the 8-year-old in Kelso? Not today. Not, no, I, mean, not just... I wouldn't rule out that that happened within the last week or so. Did the 12-year-old tell the 8-year-old to be a man about it? Yeah. Well, no, he, he robbed him with, a, uh, with an airsoft gun. Oh, I think I do remember that story. Well, anyway, there's no more jungle gyms left, sir. What are you going to do? I mean, there's really That's only right. so much you can do to amuse yourself. How, the cry, cry how can I help you today? Uh, I think with all these stories of uh, stealing metal and ever whatever, maybe we should come up with a uh, a tweaker watch or a crackhead watch. Like a meth watch? Like a, uh, like, a, like a meth watch or a... Uh... Crackhead watch or a tweaker watch or something. I think it's, uh, it's about time. Okay. No, fair enough. You're right, because it's, it's almost daily because, now. Yeah, it, it's, it's true. We get, I would say probably several times a week we get stories about, you know, somebody goes and a big chunk of the Eiffel Tower has been carved away and right. carted off for scrap right. metal. All right. No, thank you. We'll, and, we'll look into that, sir. And also, the, the Washington metal dealers are a lot more regulated than the Oregon ones, so a lot of times they'll still stuff in Washington and they'll go to Oregon because... <laughs> I mean, I don't know where these tweakers are getting all this money for gas, but that's that's what they're doing. Oh, I think we know we're getting the money. They steal trucks in Southeast. <laughs> I was going to take say. that to their playground equipment. That's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. There's this 94 Forerunner that they find works really well without keys. <laughs> right. Good for hauling metal. Yeah, thank you, sir. <laughs> thank you. Meth watch. I like that. Yeah. All right, now we just have to come up with a theme for it. All right. I'll put that on my list of things to do. Meth watch. All right. Wonderful. Here's Tim Riley. So to sum it all up, the attitude now is, if you get beat up on the max, just take it like a man. Be a man. Stand up and have a spine about it. Drop charges. Quit your bitching. Yeah. Quit your... Look, you're alive. <laughs> Count your blessings, sir. Quit blubbering like a little girl. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Yeah, Rick. Hey, Sarah. Hey. Yeah, it's... Uh, I saw that guy interviewed on uh, Channel 12. Do you have morning. that story? Can you, you know, have and, that and that's story? what he said. He goes, I guess the guy just couldn't take it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, getting back to the Waterfront Village, Rick, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, there's also going to be uh, tall ships down there. It's going to be really cool. So when they say tall ships, what is that? I mean, I know it's a well, ship that's tall, but what does ships. that mean? The sailing ships. The Lady Washington, the Hawaiian Chieftain, and the replica of the Nina is in town. The Hawaiian Texas. Chieftain? The Hawaiian Chieftain. So yes. when you say tall ships, is this code for sail, like ships with big, like old, old-looking ships? That is correct. Old-timey? Yeah. <laughs> you know exactly. what I mean? Like old, antique-looking ships? Yes, old. exactly. The, the they're, they're not, is, yes. That's not the technical term, I know, but... But not modern ships. That the is kind correct. of ships that Johnny Depp might jump on. Yeah, That's exactly. exactly what I wanted to do. As like a fact, buccaneering the ships. The Lady Washington is going to be in, and she is the ship that was the interceptor in Pirates of the Caribbean. Really? Yes. And it's called the Lady Washington? The Lady Washington. What kind yes. of a man would ride on a vessel like that? I hope that <laughs> just be a man about it. Uh, you might want to talk to the captain about that. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Dinosaurs. All right. Bye now. Bye. All right. This the story is fantastic. Yeah, if you get beat up on the max, be a be man, a man about it. Who can ask for anything more? Police said Anthony Carrillo began to harass another man at the max stop in Hillsborough and then followed him onto the train. Carrillo began punching the man when he stood up to call for help, and the fight, it didn't really sound like much of a fight. It sounded like one guy getting up to call for help and this Carrillo guy beating him in the face. Carrillo said the man pulled a gun on him during the fight, uh, which was legal because he had a concealed carry permit. Carrillo believes the charges are too harsh, and that I'm hoping the guy will be a man about it. Just accept the fact that I was beating you in the face, sir. Quit blubbering like a child. You're the kind of man to send him straight to jail. Hi, <laughs> ah, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Nothing says being a man like shooting your assailant in the face, yes? 
Hey, uh, uh, heads up on Meth Watch. That term is already used by Fox 12 for their news report on meth heads. Oh, oh really? Yeah. They actually yeah. say Meth Watch? Like, like Tweak Watch would probably be better or something along those lines. I I, it doesn't really work. But when somebody Nobody says, watches TV news anyway. It, when somebody says, uh, when, except for Carl Click. Oh, that's true. But and that's... whatever news organization might be sponsoring the show at any given moment. Oh, that's true. We don't have any at the moment. Those are watched, though. Whatever One those other... shows might be. And when somebody says Tweak... I always just hear that kid from South Park. Ah, ah, you know that uh, that kid with the, with the coffee parents. Yeah. One one other thing, if you want, if, if anybody wants to see kind of how how fast people like that work on stripping anything of value, you've seen the movie Lord of War. Yes. When Nick Cage crashes in the desert and, and they strip the plane down. Yeah. One day that that entire plane gets eaten like a like a corpse covered with you know ants. Which or is, I think they did, they did in real time. I think if you watch the commentary, they strip that plane in almost in almost real time, like in a twenty four hour period. That's an amazing scene. That movie is fantastic. That's an underseen film and an underrated film, but I, here's a prediction. I've made this prediction in the past. I'm going to say it again now, so when it comes true, everybody will know that I was right about it. So you know that there is uh, now in certain slices of the American culture such a fixation on the movie Scarface. Uh, I and, never liked Scarface. And you see, well, it's because it's a bad movie. And don't believe anybody who tells you that it's an underappreciated classic. It's not. Yeah. Scarface is bad. Um, but you know that there is among uh, certain uh, segments of American youth uh, there is so much of a fetish for the movie Scarface, and you see uh -huh. these guys wearing the Scarface shirt. And if you go to like, if you go to any of those like Spencer's gift style stores, it's just nothing but Scarface posters and framed pictures of Tony Montana. I mean, there's a whole industry now of just bad, tacky Scarface merchandise yeah. because dudes have somehow latched onto loving Scarface. Here's the thing: in 15 years, it's not going to be Scarface; it's going to be Lord of War. You mark my words. And uh, one other thing about the unscrupulous metal dealers. Uh, I mean, I work for a. a a distributor and we we had to jack uh, we had to double our deposits on kegs because everything says property of such and such brewery doesn't matter they they don't they'll take anything it doesn't it could say property of any, <laughs> property anything. of god the property of god they would they would they would shred it god do you need this pony cab back no because <laughs> uh, i'm pretty sure that most of the metal dealers they could be you know I'm going to form a band called Unscrupulous Metal Dealers <laughs> i were the dealers of unscrupulous metal bow down all right thank you all right. Bye. All right. Here's Tim Riley. As an experiment. Yes. You know what we should do as an experiment? We should take something that's metal but stupid, uh, something that's sort of silly, and go chain it up somewhere with a webcam and see how long it takes for it to be stolen. That's an interesting idea. That sort of kooky radio bit meets investigative journalism. You know what I mean? And, but it would be something dumb like a metal bust of Lenin. Oh. And we should take it out there and see how long it takes somebody to come and weld it into little pieces. Here's Tim Riley. The Portland metro area population is projected to almost double in the next 50 years to more than 4 million people. That, according to a new metro study, the project was mandated by a 2007 law and will be used as the basis for new plans for urban development and ways to cope with the increase that include revising the urban boundary by the year 2010. There's been a carjacking in Gresham. No. Everybody be startled. <laughs> A 19-year-old carjacking victim jumped out of a moving car to get away from the carjacker. Apparently, this guy pulls his car into the plaid pantry. At 181st and Stark, gets out of the car, a man threatens to kill him if he doesn't turn over the keys. Well, the guy didn't have any money, and the carjacker drove up with him still in the car. So the guy jumps out of the moving car to escape. He only has minor injuries. The cops uh, chase the guy around. He builds out of the car. They haven't seen him since. Uh, somebody handling his luggage stole a $3,000 camera from a soldier coming back to Portland after seventh tour of, seventh tour of duty in Iraq. Can you mm -hmm. imagine that? Wow. He was using the camera to capture things you usually don't see in the war zone, such as soldiers playing Ring Around the Rosie, and Iraqi school children and troops handing out candy and toys. 
So somebody turn that back in. Uh, what else do we have here? Uh, a local lesbian couple says uh, a peck on the lips nearly got the two of them tossed out of a Mariners game. She's a rather attractive woman, wouldn't you let say? Yeah, uh, let me see this. Hold on. The uh, yes. I, I want to see if I know them. I rank her a solid seven. All right, there you go. Let's see. Do we know her? She's. There's no no picture of the other half of the couple. No, I don't think I know her. So she might be the the yin in the couple, but who's to say? Uh, so they were pecking each other on the cheek, and uh, apparently a security guard came up and said, "There's a lady whose son says he saw you guys making out, and I did too, and you have to stop." And she said, well, can't we, you just picture what the guard looks like without even trying? So, so the woman says, well, we weren't making out. We were just kissing, and I'm not going to stop. Uh, the security guard uh, said, the mom doesn't want to explain to the kids why two girls are kissing. So she says, well, I'm not going to stop, so you'll have to kick me out. You just know the security guard has, like, a big neck and, like, a shaved head, and his name is Duff. Well, that seems like poor parenting. I mean, come on, your mom doesn't want to have to explain it. Grow up. You had a child. Be a man. So that's that. That happened at Safeco Field. Uh, hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. What's up? So I'm calling about Oaks Park. Um, one of the best rides there has to be the bumper cars. Going on there with, say, like friends or coworkers, it's just one way to get your aggression out. You know, just be able to slam into them and just see their eyes open like saucers. <laughs> This is um, both amusing and a little creepy. I haven't ridden... Uh, I don't think I've done anything like that since I was probably a teenager. I don't think I've gone to an amusement park since I was uh, like 13 or 14. So this weekend will be sort of an interesting experience, actually. Uh, so um, as uh, as Tim noted earlier, my wife is uh, far and away the more social half of the couple. Uh, and so any many things that, that, uh, that uh, require interacting with other human beings, she typically kind of does those, and then uh, I sit at home with the door locked. Um, but it'll be it'll be sort of curious to to actually go back you know for the first time in like fifteen twenty years something like that and do like an actual amusement park experience or you know what passes for one at the Rose Festival anyway. It really is Oaks is really kind of a throwback to the fifties and uh, yeah when Sarah said that it's like oh my gosh absolutely it's like uh, uh, Back to the Future. Yeah, the, it's really cool. It's like unlike, and they have like funhouse mirrors everywhere, and like it, it's just neat. Even though there are children everywhere, it is it exactly like you've fallen into that uh, uh, that uh, carnival in Ed Wood? It feels like you're in some weird time warp. It's, Excellent, it's really cool. All right, no, I'll have to check it out. Thank you, sir. All right, thank you. All right, there you go. All right, here's Tim Riley. Well, a 19-year-old from Lincoln City has uh, been given a ticket after he failed to report to the police that his truck accidentally slid into the Lincoln City Reservoir and became completely submerged over the holiday weekend. <laughs> Does this water taste like Chrysler to you? This is a 1997 Ford F-250. It was on an unstable surface at the water's edge in the Big Creek Reservoir uh, boat launch. After the trek sank, he just left it underwater and walked away. <laughs> well, a fisherman reported, the fisherman reported an unusual catch. It was a submerged vehicle. They led the track down the guy who's been given a ticket for littering the waterway. <laughs> Offensive littering and placing offensive substances in the water. How would you even get your truck into the reservoir? They managed to do it. I mean, is there no weekend. is there no fence? Is the reservoir just sort of like an open? It, it looks open, just like a big swim. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Look at that. That's insane. Of course it is. <laughs> Probably one of Richie's friends. It was completely submerged. Yeah. And he just walked away. Not a problem. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't really speak well for like his for the quality of the truck that he decided just to leave it behind. It's for tough. All right, I, I suppose. 
Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick, how you doing? What's up? Hey, uh, how about Dope Fiend Watch? See, there's, I, Meth Watch is so great, I almost just want to use it, despite the fact that K2 is already doing it. Mm. I mean, you know, we've already found, we've found that we've sort of inadvertently been duplicated by other people. I mean, there was, you know, we found that there was that thing a few weeks ago where South Park had a whole Britney Watch uh, <laughs> thing. So, I mean, you know, these things happen. I just, I can't really think of anything that has the same zing as Meth Watch. Oh, it is pretty great. If you do, uh, you have to include in the theme song, like, some quotes from Bubs. Uh, from the wire or something that would be great <laughs> well and i'll have to figure out how to put it together because we'll have to find the appropriate the appropriate music uh to go with it too i offhand i don't even know what it would be uh but... no, uh you know uh last week you guys were talking about how beautiful uh sam adams is he's no tommy carcetti my friend no well who is though sir <laughs> all right thank you good Take reference there you go all right uh hi you're on the rick emerson radio program rick dirtbag dave dirtbag here how are you i'm dandy sir how can i help you Oh, you know, I actually got two pieces of trivia, one of which I'm driving recycle truck these days. And uh, the scrap metal dealers locally, a couple of them actually kind of make light of this entire situation. There's a big sign up at a <clears throat> certain scrap metal dealer that I frequent. It says, many illegal activities inside. Enter at your own risk. I mean, do they just sort of have a wry sense of humor about the whole thing where, like, they sort of chuckle to themselves as some homeless guy is wheeling up the wing from an airplane inside a shopping cart. They would have to. There's I mean, no other thing. I mean, what would you say in your experience, your your experience at uh, you know going to a scrap metal yard or sort of seeing those places? What would you imagine is the most frequently turned in item that like just some just some uh, some weasel will bring in? Dead car parts. Really? Is that true? Where they just and do they find cars somewhere and they just strip the parts right out of them? The cars that I see coming in on the back of dilapidated trucks and stuff you'd, you'd expect in Sanford and Son look like they've been sitting in fields for years. And so I know they're just going out and picking up stuff that's abandoned. It's, it's, uh, at least that's what it looks like. So this, is, so this really is like a sort of 21st century advancement upon the picking up old bottles and cans technique that the homeless have been using for a long time. This has really been taken to the next level. Yeah, instead of bottles and cans, it's now Chrysler's and Chevy's. <laughs> Excellent. What was your other observation, sir? Hey, just uh, uh, kind of for Sarah, talking about the Oaks Park and the skating rink, two bits of trivia. That is the largest surviving maple floor in the country and has always been the largest circular laid floor in the country. So I hear it's so pretty there, too. See, now I feel, I do, I feel like a bad Northwesterner for never having him in all the time I've lived here and then growing up in the Northwest, I never went to my, I, now that I think about it, it's strange that my family never took me there when I would come to Portland as a kid. It seems like the sort of place they ought to have taken me. It's surprising you haven't been there being a fairly, you know, recent or, you know, a, a common Portlander. Yeah. I spent an inordinate of my youth in that rink as my dad played the pipe organ there for 32 years. Excellent. All right, then. All right, my friend, how's life treating you? You know, it's not bad. I uh, had a big career change recently, and I'm out of the car business and no longer needing to climb a clock tower with an assault weapon, so it's a good day. Well, we'll, we'll put that in the wind column. Exactly. Thank you, sir. Have a good day, man. There you go. All right. Fantastic. Awesome. All right, well, now I feel like... Maybe Is that a promotion where car dealers are climbing towers without assault weapons. <laughs> <laughs> Our prices are so they sale. Our prices are so low. We're gonna kill people at random. Uh, well, so we've got the uh, the Rose Festival this weekend where Lauren and I were gonna go, but now I feel like we almost have to either precede it by or follow it up with. Well, you guys like to Park. ride your bike. Well, Lara likes to ride her bike. You should get on your bike, too, and just ride right along the Springwater Corridor. Because we've done that. We've actually done that bike and ride before, which goes right by it. Yep, it goes right by it, and there's like a little off-ramp there, and you can just go right there. They have a huge bike rack out front. Just lock up your bike, and then 
wander around. You know, we could probably uh, not now, but we could probably do a whole a whole segment at some point about uh, about sort of things here in Portland that all of us ought to have done by now uh, but haven't. I mean, it's like the old cliche about people who live in New York never going to the Statue of Liberty or whatever. Uh, so there's probably all kinds of crap. Uh, you know what I've never done, actually? I mean, it's just as long as I've lived here, I've never gone through the Shanghai Tunnels. Oh, it's fun. Yeah, I mean, I just, just you it's know. It's spooky. Just one of those yeah, things that I've, I think I settled for seeing it on that underground Portland show on the Discovery Channel one day. And I, I sort of watched, I watched, I did I did what I do so often. I just watched somebody else do the activity, and I figured that was the same thing. So I watched, you know, like some, some guy from the Travel Channel uh, walk through and go, here's some metal slats where underage prostitutes used to rest. And I kind of watched, and I went, well, that's great. I'm going to go get a taco. And then that was sort of the end of my Shanghai Tunnel experience. All right, here's Tim Riley. Love is free beer. Uh, you're invited to celebrate the Beer Cats Park completion tonight. Yes, everyone's invited. The celebration takes place at Northwest Davis between 10th and 11th, 5 to 7. Uh, apparently, there's tribal dancing. Native Americans are uh, going to give its uh, blessing to the uh, the White Ladies Park. And they're going to have uh, music and dancing and food carts and complimentary beer. I don't understand. So Wait, where? Indians are going to be dancing at a park for Vera Cats yeah. where there's free beer. Uh-huh. There's a whole bunch of things in that story that all kind of but don't the blend beer. together. They're dedicating the park. Back to in her honor. <laughs> Where's the park? The park is at Northwest Davis between 10th and 11th. Oh, I yeah, I know exactly where that is. For How much free, free beer is there going to be? It doesn't say, but apparently plenty for everyone. It's a tiny park. Honoring uh, Vera Katz, it's right outside the Portland Armory building. And it says here, Merrill X. Sam Adams will be there because he used to work for Vera Katz. <gasps> maybe I can shake Sam Adams' hand. Oh, Free maybe. beer and Sam Adams. And Vera Katz. I mean, come on. It doesn't get any better And, and than maybe that. it's dancing in their honor. And what time does this start? Five. Still seven. Okay. I'm going to be right there. Oh, I suspect you won't be alone. All right. So... Anywho, I can uh, get a picture with Sam Adams. Don't you wish you had? With, there was some sort of like instant, like some sort of gauge here in the studio where you could see uh, the amount to which people were sort of, like, you know, when you could see the audience's interest sort of prick up as we say something. Uh, you know what I mean? All right. Some <clears throat> dismiss this small space. It's not much of a park. So let's see. Here. I know exactly that little area, and it's a cute little park. Oh, it is. It's really small. Look mm-hmm. at it. It fits like two or three people. That's a minis. That's not a. That's not a park. It kind of looks like a moat. Hey, here's a question. Speak, okay, well now since we're talking about a park. since we're talking about the uh, since we're talking about Portland things, you know what? Here's another Portland thing I've never done. Um, I have because how long have we all lived here? Tim, you've lived here for a decade, right? Yeah, ten years. I've lived here for a decade. This will be my uh, this is my tenth year in Portland. Sarah, you've lived here for five, six, six years. Six years. Um, you know where I've never been? I've never been to that world's smallest park this year. Me either. But Squid actually took a picture of it, and it's going to be in some like. Uh, published magazine. I don't even know where it is. It's I have like no right, idea. It's right down the street, literally. Yeah. Really? Right it's it's on the corner. It's easy to step on it. <laughs> easy to step on it like a giant god. All right. You stand above it and look down and bellow menacingly. Hello, Tony Park. I will destroy you. But this new park does look like a drainage <laughs> ditch. But... <laughs> you should be sure to tell Vera Cass that. <laughs> hey, uh, former mayor, congratulations on your new cesspool or whatever. Where's the beer? <laughs> uh, children frolicking? Or play- no. It's too small for playground. That looks like a place where you dump old tires and bottles. That's exactly what that looks like. That You've got to be looking at an old picture. That can't be a current picture. It, it's current. They just <laughs> it. It's ready for dedication. But it's done? It, it's done. That's it. It's a park. Is it like a novelty? Is it like a joke park? A joke park for Mary Cat. You know what I mean? Like, like one of those wacky novelty parks? 
you know, like how, like, I, uh, like I, I have that deed at home where I own, like, a square foot of Michigan? Is this, like, sort of a, you know, like, sort of a, is it like an honorary park, you know? It says here. Like a scale version, scaled down version. It says here it's underwhelming. You know, <laughs> yeah, do you think? It's not very much of a park. No. All right. What well, purpose does it serve? As some people. From where did the park land come? Like, what was it before it was the Vera Katz Park? It was a sidewalk. <laughs> How many things do we have to put Vera Katz on? I mean, my God, there's already that, you know, Rod Stewart-looking statue of her that is on the Esplanade. She already has an Esplanade. Why does she need a park? Why can't the statue be in the park? It's, a, be... it's called A New Age of Park Space and Engagement. Parks are no longer green tracks. They're pocket parks nestled into streetscapes accommodating multiple uses. What multiple uses? I don't think people properly appreciate how tiny this park is. I mean, it looks like a, a row of urinals. <laughs> no doubt that'll be used by some people late at night getting out of some of the bars in the Pearl District, not knowing that this is the Vera Cat Park. pocket park. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I have to, I'm going to go play a little pocket park. I, uh... All right. This email says about Oaks Park. Rick, it's not strange to me at all that your family never to you took you to a public arena such as Oaks Park. Not surprising at all. Thank you, sir. Uh, all right, let's see here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Yeah, hi, Rick. You have no call screener all of a sudden. Uh, I, Is that I, true, Richie Bristol? Uh, Richie's there uh, talking to uh, somebody or other. All right. Yes. Hello, sir. Go ahead. Anyway, this, this is this isn't why I called, but I do happen to know something about that little park you're talking about, and it's like three by five feet. Yeah, look it, about that. Yeah, it looks it's minuscule. I don't know yeah, where you're. Where are you seeing that photo, Tim? Uh, online. Okay. Yeah. No, yeah. it's it's time. Well, it has, it has been there for a lot of years, and they actually pay part make maintenance workers to take care of it. You know, they have to come by and they have to. You know, oh, really, are our tax dollars paying for yeah, the upkeep? Yeah, and yeah, isn't that great? Minuscule park. It, it, it looks like one of those giant brooms <laughs> that you sweep your driveway with. Or wipe the dog mess off your feet before you go inside. I think we should demand that we have our own park. You know what I mean? Really, if the, if the park is that small, I mean, really, the park's for everyone. Right. Well, I got to think there's a line of wait, uh, work, uh, park workers waiting to get on that, you know, on that list. And hey, whose job do you suppose it is to go and that clean one, that? Yeah. yeah, I mean, who's who gets that? All right, what is it? What can we help you with, sir? Uh, anyway, I called in about the the, the meth watch thing. Yeah. Tweak peak. <laughs> no. The what? Have a tweak peak. Somebody suggested the week in tweak. So yeah, uh, well, yeah, that tweak peak, and also Vera Katz. She's a flake. She wanted to put a lid on the Fremont Bridge. All right. And put houses up there for people to live and stuff so that, you know, when they got depressed, they could bail out. So. Okay. Thank you. All right. All right. Houses for people to live. How dare you come up with such a idea? I love the idea that he had to note the houses were for people to live in. But the houses weren't just for storing old copies of Reader's Digest. It says here, enjoy a breeze on wood benches or step away from them so you have a choice. So, wait, let me understand this. I can either sit on the benches or not. Yes. That really is astounding. That Vera, that Vera Katz, she's a forward thinker. It's amazing well, to think of it. it's not her fault. Somebody built this in her honor. Did she ask for the park, or did I they sort of say, like, uh, look, uh... She'd never admit it if she did. You can have a park, or you can have a commemorative set of plates. What would you prefer? We've got one or the other for you. We'll give you a few minutes to think it over. All right, we should take a break. Um, we come back more from Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Don't forget it, your first opportunity, and by first opportunity, I mean now. Go to rickemerson.com, 
or sarahxdillon.com or rileylive.com. Go to either of our websites, any of our websites, and vote for us in the Willamette Week Best of Portland poll uh, for best uh, radio show and what have you. All right, more from Tim around the corner. Later on, Morgan Grace in studio with us. Peter from Nickel Arcade counting down the top five bands to which kids cut themselves in 2008. And uh, Dorothy Costaseri from the National Enquirer. Stay there. Sound of Freedom. Tim Riley's Noon News Hour, only on AM 970. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503 733 2970. It's 144 in the afternoon. It's 503 733 2970. Don't forget, coming up later on, uh, Peter from Nickel Arcade will be in the studio. We'll count down the top five bands that kids cut themselves to in 2008. Morgan Grace will be in the studio later on. Uh, we'll have Dorothy Carcassari for the National Enquirer. More from Tim Riley in just a moment. By the way, I think I figured out something that's been sort of uh, plaguing us and puzzling us for some time. You know when you're in the bathroom occasionally and the thing that dispenses the soap and the paper towels just starts spinning stuff out for no reason? Like you're nowhere near the towel dispenser. Oh, yes. And it's just kind of... And you hear it from across the room putting up paper towels. I think I know why this is. I've formulated this. I have this sort of uh, theory, this hypothesis about it. But I don't really know anything about science or math or thinking. So I'm not really sure if it's possible. I was thinking, is it conceivable that somehow the electronic eye or whatever you call it on, on the paper towel dispenser, is that somehow interacting with my reflection in the mirror and thus tricking the paper towel dispenser into thinking I am standing right there. You know what I mean? That could be. Because I don't really know how those electric eyes work, but I mean, if, if my reflection in the mirror is somehow casting a shadow over the, the center on the paper towel dispenser, that might actually be the way, that might be why it's happening. I mean, it doesn't really matter. It's not like it impacts my life a whole lot. It's just one of those things that sort of puzzles me. So that's sort of the theory I'm going to operate under until somebody disproves it. The motor burned out of the one in the kitchen. <laughs> the one in the bathroom, slowly, the batteries were sort of just grinding down. Uh-huh. And so you would occasionally go in and you'd see somebody going like, come on, come on. And like and sort of bracing one foot against the wall, trying to pull the paper towels out of the dispenser. Because like the 9D batteries inside had just sort of fizzled away to nothing. Uh, let's see. Hello, you grew up in Kelso. Uh, yes, I grew up in Kelso, and, um, my friends and I used to loiter around at Barnes School, like in high school, um, right down in that neighborhood. Good for you. And it's a a nice place. I like it. But in that neighborhood, what really got me is that somebody went and took that piece of playground equipment, and that's actually like a a low-income neighborhood um, of the kids that go to that school. Well, unless you're a meth dealer, in which case the income just went up a little bit. (laughs) Really? Well, I, I think as I think uh, any sort of uh, casual observance around uh, America would indicate that neighborhoods like that uh, are really the easiest place uh, to steal things because they those ironically those do seem to be the neighborhoods uh, where uh, what, the governmental infrastructure is least concerned about keeping things working properly. Yeah, it makes me sad. I mean, really, really, the places that ought to have the most government intervention, like, oh, I don't know, underfunded schools are always the places that just end up continuing to be underfunded and ignored. So I don't yeah, think exactly. It's, I wonder what they're going to get next. I don't know? think it's a coincidence that they stay away from Tim's neighborhood. 
right. Well, you know, what what can you do? Um, okay, I just wanted to say I'm so excited. I'm shaking right now. Just like uh, when I approached you at the listener party and um, – and got an autograph from you. I wanted to thank you very much for your time. Well, and, thank you uh, so much. Now, are you spreading the word about this fine radio program? Oh, certainly. I've been listening. My boyfriend got me started two days before the listener party. Cause he says, well, if you're coming to the party, you got to listen. And uh, I've been listening online every day since. <laughs> here's, a, here's something you could do. You guys, Do you still live in Kelso? Um, I live in Longview now. Um, uh, I was going right to say because you know if you live in Kelso, there could actually be some sort of a uh, some sort of a like a low budget family amusement game where you try to predict which thing will be cut up and stolen next. <laughs> All right, thank All you. Right. All thank right. you. Bye oh, now. One more, qu- one quick yes. question. Uh-huh. Um, uh, at the listener party, did you by chance walk away with a green sharpie? Uh, it's entirely possible. By green sharpie, do you mean did you hand me a green sharpie to sign something with, and did I then leave with it? Yes. <laughs> I'd say the likelihood of that is about 9 out of 10. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank yeah. you very All much. Right. Sorry about that. Bye-bye. All right. <laughs> Bye. Bye now. All right. Uh, here's Tim Riley. Just for that, you're going to buy the kids' new playground equipment. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, you know, it uh, it it does seem to be uh, that the places that, I mean, wouldn't you, ah, uh, never mind, because then it becomes a whole chicken and anything about, like, are they high, are, are places high-crime neighborhoods because there's no cops? Or, or does it, at a certain point in America, do, does the government just sort of look at certain places and just figure like, well, it's screwed anyway. Let's, let's cut our losses. Let's go protect a, let's go protect a strip mall and a yogurt shop somewhere. So, all right, here's Tim Riley. So Scott McClellan's on the television uh, like every five minutes someplace else today. He acknowledged the fierce criticism from his former colleagues he got about his scathing book. But this is my honest perspective on how things went off track. That's all I can do is is honestly and forthrightly express my views and let the chips fall where they may. Former White House Counselor Dan Bartlett says everybody knows the main body of intelligence underlying the administration's decision to go to war was wrong. Well, at least he's admitting that. Well, everybody knew it anyway. But that is far different from saying that at the time that well-intentioned people, including myself and the president and others, didn't think that that was true and did not try to bring a case to the American people based on that intelligence. And it's intelligence that the previous administration, as well as other countries, thought was true as well. You know, why is everybody so shocked about this? Thing? I don't really. I was just going to say, well, I don't have the national outrage. <laughs> Haven't we known about all this for years? Who is being caught off guard by this information? We were misled. By God, I've heard everything. Now I just have no faith left in my crumbling government. I mean... But it's okay since it was so far away. It and doesn't it, affect this at all. And it does seem like there's really only one of two conclusions. One is either the president is evil and manipulative, or two, he's just dumb enough to be misled by anybody with a thick stack of papers. He can't be bothered. Well, what is, No, no, he, he, he correctly surmised that the Americans are stupid. <laughs> you could tell them they're wrong... And they won't catch up for like seven or eight years. No, well, it is. It is. And he is right. It is. Uh, it is very uh, indicative of the American, uh, the American culture that really. The, the first time we started getting really uh, angry about all these things was right around the time that gas hit four dollars. So uh, yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, well, okay. We'll just uh, here. There's Tim Riley. Our Condoleezza Rice is against the scathing book, although she admits it. Uh, she hasn't read it yet. The concerns about weapons of mass destruction were the fundamental reason for dozens of resolutions within the Security Council from the time that Saddam Hussein was expelled from Kuwait up until 2003. A million splices in that one sentence. <laughs> that I ever. And I can still hear, it doesn't make any I sense. I can hear every one of them. Do you remember the time when they were talking about her running for president? Yeah. Oh, those days are over. I don't know where, where she's been keeping herself. You know they what? Keep, trying to on planes and flying her away. I don't understand. I don't even know what she does uh, at this point. I don't know what she did two years ago, but I don't even. I don't know what. I think it, it, I, every single person uh, that has been associated with the with the Bush presidency has just sort of vanished. 
I think it's because they realize that, if, like, you could almost see some sort of ticker on television. Oh, Donald Rumsfeld, where is he? I don't know. It's because every time they're on television standing next to the president, it's like, you know, like their sort of public standing just continues to diminish. So it's like standing next to, like standing next to Marie Curie. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, gang. How you guys doing? Hello, sir. Hi, thank you. First off, before we get into what I was going to talk about, uh, hey, thanks for playing the Muppets in Hebrew. It's what I do, sir. Everything that's funny is funnier in Hebrew. Well, I used to live in Israel, so I remember those shows on TV. <laughs> they even had the, the Smurfs on there, dubbed in Hebrew. Yeah, the uh, the best part is how they have the uh, the Statler and Waldorf guys about two-thirds of the way through the Muppet song, and they sound, if you put them in Hebrew, and they sound fundamentally unchanged. So, all right, how can I help you, sir? Yesterday, I was watching the 4 o'clock Channel 12 news. Yes, sir. Kind of killing time, waiting for the baseball game to start on on ESPN. And within a five-minute period, they did three Florida stories. And I I swear, I kept waiting for, like, Stephanie Kralovich to play the uh, Miami Vice founder. I think everybody has slowly sort of hooked into the fact that Florida is... I mean that Florida is just a well that never runs dry. I mean, if you ever need something to horrify or amuse the audience in some perverse fashion, you just open the Florida drawer and it's right there. Well, you know, when you when you you say the show prep, you got to put it for television now, also. Yeah, it's no, I I don't know that we can take total credit for that. I know that uh, that Adam Carolla years ago on Loveline, uh, they had a bit I think on Loveline a long time ago called Florida or Germany. Uh, and it, it, they would take some perverse story, and they would try to figure out whether it came from Florida or whether it came from, like, Hamburg, because of the two most warped places on Earth. So, well, I'm glad to know we can help the uh, the television industry as well, though. Hey, I have a, a serious question for Tim Riley. Sure. Are you there? Yes, I am. Are you there, God? It's me, caller. Okay. Uh, you know, the the folks from the East Coast, they when they end words that, that end with an A, they say it with an R. That's Why right. Why do they do that? I don't know. I do it myself. <laughs> why, Tim? <laughs> I, I don't know why. I think it's it is just a uh, it is a holdover. I do believe like from Daryl Hanner. It is and Cuba. Cuba. That island prison of Cuba. I and uh, I do believe it is a holdover from the British dialect from which Eastern dial you know Eastern America Eastern American you know the East Coast dialects derive. Then why in the hell don't they just spell the word with an R at the end if that was the case? I think these are questions you'll have to take up with British guys from like a thousand years ago. I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> Tim, Tim Riley is not a linguist, sir. I just always wondered, you know, why. I was just curious. Okay. Thanks, I, I, I will say, if you move out of a certain area after a certain age, you can't get rid of your accent entirely. Like, if you move to the West Coast, say, from the East Coast when you were 10, mm-hmm. perhaps you could lose it. But if you're in your 20s and move too late? Well, and it, 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 sometimes you will just see this, too, where people will uh, work, especially people on television, work very hard to lose the accent. Mm-hmm. And then it will come back to them at times of extreme stress or irritation or excitement or anger. Because uh, Stephen Colbert has a very... Well, if you've been talking to relatives over the weekend, you'll come back to That's the other thing, actually. You will go home and you will talk to people that, you, that you know, they're still there where the accent is very strong. And you come back and you talk like them. Yeah. Uh, I had a friend of mine uh, who was British who had lived in America for like 25 years, and his accent was still, I mean, you could hear it, but I mean, it was very diminished over time. He would go back and he would hang out in Brixton, St. Thames, or wherever the hell he was from, and he would come back after being for a week, and like, you could, he was, it was like he just stepped out of a Dickens, like couldn't understand anything he was saying. Um, so, um, uh, but uh, Stephen Colbert has a very, very, he's from, I think, South Carolina, he has a very strong Southern accent, which he 
he unlearned by watching television news, but occasionally he uh, crawl in. Oprah does the same thing. Oprah, and it's always when she is talking to somebody else from the South, Oprah's southern accent comes back like in full flower. So. Oh, Hillary. Yeah, yeah well... Hillary's sort of a shifting sand. She's a bit of a she's a bit of a an, an an accent Rorschach card, I would say, a Rorschach card. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. All right, there you go. I don't uh, think I answered the question. Well, because there's no, I mean, it, there's really no answer. Like it just is. It is the way that people in Britain or some areas of Britain talk, although not all areas. It is. You'll you'll pardon the assessment, Tim. I do believe it is in lower class areas of Britain that that happens. Um, Perhaps and so. so when the rabble were kicked out of Britain uh, over to America, I think they may have uh, they may have brought some of their low level ways with them. Well, in British like the way things are spelled and the way they're pronounced are so confusing. It makes no well like no, I, I live next to um, Gloucester Road, but it was spelled Gloucester. Yeah, Gloucester. Yeah. Well, like, in New England, it's called Gloucester. Um, and well, and it's the same thing with Leicester Square, which is spelled Leicester. Yeah. yeah. So I say to the horror of all the British people listening, Leicester, Leicester. Uh, well, and it was the other one, the, um, um, uh, well, like aluminium, you know, the aluminium, what the hell is that about? I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I know that we Americans are accused quite properly of butchering the English language sometimes, but I mean, really the word to the best of my knowledge is spelled aluminum. I don't even know what you have to add letters to make it aluminium. Like that's not just misprint. You have to go back to the pile of like to the scrabble bag and get additional tiles to make aluminium. That's like people that say Washington. There's no R. That's not even a misprint. That's just creating a whole new word. Um but I mean like the Gallagher brothers uh, are like that, you know, in Oasis, you know, in Oasis they'll always, you know, you'll hear um depending on whether the word is in is in the middle of a line or whether it's at the end of a line, it will sometimes be champagne supernova mm-hmm. and sometimes champagne supernova. And I think it does depend on what word is following it. So but that's, and in some cases, people drop H's, like, how are you, instead of saying, how are you? Yeah, and I think I think a lot of that is sort of a, a class-slash-regional distinction, uh, just as it is here in America. But I mean, that's like, but, but, that's, but that's like asking why people in Utah say bath the dog instead of bathe the dog. I mean, the short answer is because they're hicks. Uh, so, I mean, as far as like a more complicated or in-depth linguistic explanation, I uh, I got nothing. So uh, I'm sorry I couldn't answer the question. No, it can't be answered, Tim. No one knows the answer. All right, here's Tim Riley. There is no answer. Uh, so moving along to other things, even though gay couples can't legally marry in New York, the state is moving toward recognizing same-sex marriages performed elsewhere. Their governor, David Patterson, apparently that's the governor this week, is directing state agencies to change policies and regulations to recognize gay marriages performed in Canada, Massachusetts, and California. We will push on and bring full marriage equality to New York State. Wait, so I didn't know that there was actually no gay marriage in New York, though. Right. Well, that's they, an they interesting... They will recognize it legally. Well, that's a strange it's... irony. So uh, I guess that's maybe that's a sort of a clever end run about whatever band of nutcases would try to keep it illegal, because then I guess... I don't know how I don't know what the closest state is to New York that allows gay marriage, but Massachusetts. then okay. So then the deal is you, if you are living in New York and you wish to be in a gay marriage, that's actually pretty clever. Good for him. I hadn't really yeah. thought that through. I was wondering it didn't make any sense the first time I heard that story, but now it makes perfect sense. So if you are a gay couple living in New York, you want to be married. New York won't let you get married, but you can go to Massachusetts, get married there, go back to New York, and be married in New York. Good for him. All right, that's a great end run around that. I hadn't really put together why he was handling it that way. All right. Let's revisit that Florida story we had yesterday. What story? 
Florida. I'm going to give that one to Sarah because I'm so far oh, ahead. You're so giving, right? No, because so uh, I'm up like three to nothing yeah. after yesterday. Oh, I'm sorry, you keep the score now? Here's Tim Rivick. So if you remember, a vote conducted by a Florida elementary school teacher led to the transfer of a boy to another classroom. Authorities say Wendy Petrio told her students to tell a five-year-old boy why they didn't like him and then held a vote on whether or not he could stay. They voted him out 14 to 2. The boy's mother, Melissa Barton, said her son is riddled with questions about this incident. I can only tell him that he's a special person and oh. there are millions of people who Don't stand tell him that. and love him. And it's okay to be different. That's what we've taught our children from day one. I don't think you want to handle any sort of classroom popularity issue by telling your child that he is, quote, special. Mm-hmm. Seems like that's not really going to have the desired effect. Uh, the boy's mother said the teacher has not been punished enough. I don't think they've done enough, but this is child abuse, physical and mental. Um, there are allegations that have come out that she has been physically abusing my son and others. There is a child who, in addition to my own son, has collaborated the story. So, now, is this a private school or a public school? Seems like if it's a public, it's public school, you can't do this. It's like it, it is a public school. Yeah, it's a public. Lucy public school. In a public school, I don't think you're allowed. I think they would Unless immediately give the teacher the boot. All right. Uh, hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson radio program, sir. Madam, as the case may be. Uh, sir. And, Rick, i got to run because i got a 2 o'clock meeting i gotta got to run off to. But I wanted to, uh, to ask Tim, when will we be able to get copies of Debilitating Degenerativism at uh, Amazon.com? It will not happen for a long time. That goes into the uh, that goes to film festivals. Your hopes have been dashed, sir. Rats. Well, off to my two o'clock meeting. Thank okay. you. Bye. It is one fifty nine. Thank you. Bye. All right, there you go. Uh, yeah. So the that the uh, I've actually gotten several. Uh, Todd the corpse actually, who was one of our script supervisors for the listener party, is like, when am I when am I going to be able to watch Tim Riley's film that you showed at the listener party? Uh, the, the the problem is if you make uh, certain films and want to put them in film festivals, if you put them online or make copies of them beforehand, therefore they cannot be entered into film festivals. I, I did not know that. So, all right, so the answer is never. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello, KCMD Portland. Hey, what time is it, Rick? What? It's uh, 2 o'clock. It's actually 2.01. Oh, okay, I just want to make sure. Uh, the other question I had is, um, can you check with Mormon, Morgan Grace? Please? Mormon Grace. That's her uh, That's her, her doppel sister from uh, Provo. <laughs> Morgan Grace, find out if she's related in any way to Timmy Ryan. Why would you ask such a horrible question of somebody? <laughs> because they're both from Sweet Home, and you know what they say about people from Sweet Home. No, sir. What do they say about people from Sweet Home? I can't repeat it on the air. Anyway. Well, how will I know? That's gonna now it's gonna eat at me forever. All kinds of stuff. Um, it has to do with uh, why uh, why people in Sweet. Does home... it have to do with people in Sweet Home who might have some sort of carnal knowledge of their kin? Okay. Some sort of intimate biblical relations with persons who might be related to them by blood? Maybe. That is funny. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Uh, uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program on KCMD Portland. Hello. Hey, Rick. I was just going to tell you, it's uh, the uh, thing in the bathroom soap dispenser is a uh, laser beam, and uh, it's breaking the laser that uh, causes the uh, soap to come out. So right. it's probably not reading your reflection, which it would just see as another flat surface. So if it, However, but, is, I have an alternate explanation for you. But just to back up here for a second, is it, is it specters? Is it possible for my reflection, though, to cast some sort of a shadow that would break the laser? Uh, no, not so much. <laughs> That's the tone of a man who understands science and who is speaking to me as though I am an amusing but slightly retarded child. Yeah, I would I would suggest that the next time you see the bathroom soap dispenser going on its own, uh-huh. bring Tim in and see if he starts waving at anything. 
Invisible insects. Bad. All right. Thank you. The invisible right. bad. Thank you, my friend. Nobody says goodbye anymore. People are impolite. It's like we're in a movie. Remember, that always bothers me on TV shows and movies when nobody says goodbye when they're on the phone. Uh, seriously. It's like how everybody has those L-shaped sheets that cover the man to his, his waist but cover the woman to her neck. You know, I was watching the... Um, uh, I was watching Godfather 3 the other night uh, and because um, I haven't seen it since it first came out. I haven't seen Godfather 3 since, I think, 1990 or whatever it was it was released. And I've actually talked to some people lately who say that it's not clearly a perfect film, but they feel it's gotten a bad rap over the years. Uh, Siegfried, uh, who knows more about movies than probably anybody else I know, so I think it was him was actually he was making the point that he thinks that Godfather 3 has been sort of unfairly tarnished over the years. And it's not as good as the first two, but it's not as terrible as you sort of think. So I'm going back and I'm watching, and I'm only halfway through it, but I'm watching Godfather 3, and there was one of those sort of take-you-out-of-the-movie moments where Bridget Fonda, who looks the same in every film, I, I can't remember a movie in which Bridget Fonda didn't look exactly as she does in Godfather 3. She looks the same in Godfather 3 as she looks in singles. She looks the same in singles as she does in, uh, was it Single White Female? Was that mm -hmm. her? In Single White Female. Those are, I think those are the only two Bridget Fonda movies I've seen. She looks the same in Single White Female as she does for 90% of Point of No Return. So does she look the same now? She I, Well, you know, she hasn't done a movie either. You know, Bridget Fonda hasn't made a movie, I think, in almost a decade. Maybe she had some poor plastic surgery. And no, she had a kid. Like... No, she had a kid, and she just decided... The story is, anyway, that she had a baby and just, just quit acting when she became a mom, which is fine. Um, oh, she's so adorable, she's, No, she's as cute as a button. She really is. She is. Bridget Fonda is the only person about whom I would really use that phrase. She is as cute as a button. She is. She's not sexy as such. She's not hot. She seems like she'd be super cool. She can be kind of pretty. Uh, but she's cute. She is the very definition of cute. But she looks exactly the same in every film. And so I'm watching Godfather 3, and there's that sequence where she's in bed with Andy Garcia right before the two hoods come in, and uh, and they both get shot and whatever. And, I don't know, he, he asks her to get up to get up and get him a glass of water. He's like, baby, I'm thirsty. Get me some water or whatever. And she's like, get it yourself. <laughs> Coquettish laugh. And he says, no, 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 you go get me some water, dame. And she says, okay. Now, she's... She's a slut, and she's obviously just had sex with him. But what does she do? Before she does anything, she reaches over to the side of the bed, and she grabs, like, his big-ass leather jacket and puts it on just at the right moment so that you can't see anything, which is clearly something that she would... I know this sounds really pretentious. Something her character would never do. And it's one of those things that, obviously, they wanted to cast her in the movie, but Bridget Fonda herself wouldn't agree to show any nudity, and so she's covering herself up. And so, I mean, gratuitous, gratuitous nudity can be sort of distracting, but gratuitous clothing is equally distracting. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think about every time I watch a movie where they have those weird, those weird shaped sheets that cover, you know, the woman all the way up, but cover the guy just to like the top of his junk. Oh. Hey, did you know that she was originally offered the role of Allie McBeal, but turned it down because did, she wanted to focus on movies? I did know that, actually. I did know that. I did. No, I, because I had sort of wondered after watching Singles the last time, whatever became of Bridget Fonda. And they said that the, that she actually dropped out of acting to, uh, to be a mom. I still watch that movie an unhealthy amount. I'll watch it at least once every two weeks. Have you seen Point of No Return? Mm -mm. you got to see that. That's a great movie. It's a remake of the Luc Besson film La Femme Nikita. And it's about the Bridget Fonda's like a street. I remember the USA show La Femme Nikita. Yeah, that's it's well, it is a American adaptation of the movie that show was based on. So Luc Besson made this movie La Femme Nikita made into that show. This is the American version of the American remake of that movie. So she's like a like a gutter punk. She's like a street kid. 
um, who gets arrested. It's I mean, it's a completely far-fetched premise, but it's fantastic. She's uh, But she gets arrested by the cops, and she gets given the choice of, you know, either the death penalty or she can fake, they will fake her death, and she'll become an undercover agent. Ooh. Oh, it's fantastic. It's got Gabriel Byrne. It's got Anne Bancroft from The God, Graduate. I love me some it. Gabriel Byrne. Oh, man. No, it's a great movie. How hot movie. is he in Come on. He's, he's a good-looking man. He's a beautiful Anne man. Anne Bancroft, who's like a 1,000 years old, but still unbelievably hot. So, yeah, point of no return. Great movie. Great soundtrack. Here's Tim Riley. Well, did you hear about this uh, audio tape conversations between Hulk Hogan and his son, Nick? They've been released to the public. Somebody it, told me about it yesterday, but I haven't heard them yet. Well, we're going to listen to them right now. Okay. Uh, it, this comes after the 22-year-old Iraqi war veteran, John Graziano, was seriously injured and suffered brain damage when uh, the young Hogan crashed his car last August. Hogan! Part of the tape is Bolia <laughs> telling his father about future plans for a show after he gets out of prison. I want to do it where I'll make the most money. You know, if I'm producing the show, I won't screw you. You know that. Yeah, of course. I'll get you every. I'll make you an owner. Yeah. I'll own the show. Think of a good name. I'll be thinking of a good name. The, the, It'll be reality how I'm getting back on my feet and uh, how I'm recovering after this celebrity out of jail. Wait, I, wow. what am I hearing here? So they, Because this is the douchebag Hogan kid who, yeah. like, who killed a guy, killed or almost killed a guy. Yeah, his friend is in like a, like a coma. Like a car, he was a car wreck, right? Yeah, yeah and because he was speeding. He right. was racing okay. and bragging about it. And so this is them already hatching how to make like a follow-up reality show to it? Uh-huh. Yeah. Well. Uh, so the uh, Graziano family, Graziano was the victim here. The family attorney called uh, the insincerity a true Academy Award-winning performance. That's unbelievable. He wants the cameras there when he walks out of the jail to start his own show to make all the money. I mean, he, he did. He, they put on a great show at that sensing, and now we know it was all just a bunch of phony talk, two-faced, and you can't believe a thing that that family says. Well, I mean, this goes back to your thing about George W. Bush, though. But Should anybody really be surprised by this? Yeah. That they're already trying to figure out how to spin gold out of this sort of uh, penal system straw? So Hulk Hogan discusses this lawyer, I, I'm, I'm sorry, he discusses the victim, John Graziano, with his son. I don't know what type of person John was or what he did to get himself in this situation. I know he was pretty aggressive and used to yell at people and used to do stuff. And, but some, some, for some reason, man, God laid some heavy on a kid now. Wow. Wait, so the kid wasn't even driving, and he's calling the kid aggressive when it this was is, his yeah. idiot This is like time. Sharon Stone saying that, that China brought that earthquake on themselves because of karma. Oh, boy. God damn. You know... Why haven't they gone away yet? Why are we still paying Ooh. attention to the Hogan? I'm not. I've never done it, but they keep... They're always there. Can I just tie this into Ricky Martin right now? Sure, that sounds similar. <laughs> um, I was actually thinking about Ricky Martin yesterday for no readily apparent reason. Uh, I was... I, and I really don't know... Why? Man, I might have been flipping by the radio and heard him or something. I was thinking about Ricky Martin as sort of the the embodiment of one of those celebrities. Would you say that Ricky Martin is still famous? I, think, I, I, I would think so. See, yes. Yeah, that's, I think he still has name recognition. See, but that's my thing. Is so, but why? I'm not saying he doesn't. You know, good for him. Fine. Celebrity's a tough racket. I'm glad that he's still famous. It's good work if you can get it. But there are a lot of people who have multiple hits. I mean, really big songs, but then they sort of go away. Whereas Ricky Martin, let's be honest, really only had the one big hit, and yet I would say that that guy could—that guy probably still has really high name recognition, is really well known. I would argue really well liked. I would say, you know, the kind of guy that they would put on a TV show to try to pull in an audience. So it does seem like there are certain people who are just sort of—they just click with the American public in some strange way, and regardless of how little or how much they produce, their level of fame never really goes down. I mean, I get the feeling if we come back in five years, Ricky Martin will be just as well-known and just as famous as he is right now. 
without really ever having to do anything. There are guys who just seem to have some sort of weird built-in floating device in the in the ocean of fame, and once they're famous, they just stay famous forever. Uh, you know, whereas other people really have to work at it to stay in the public eye. Um, so Hulk Hogan, I think, is like that. Um, to be fair, I mean, he's done a lot, and he's sort of had, you know, did the function in a lot of different areas of private life. But he's one of those guys that just sort of seems to be around. I think Paris Hilton will probably be that way. I mean, in 20 years, Paris Hilton will be just as well known as she is today uh, for reasons that sort of pass understanding. Mm. It is interesting with Hulk Hogan, if you look back and trace his evolution as sort of a, a slice of pop culture, because Sarah's too young to remember this, but Tim and I will both remember when Hulk Hogan was the embodiment of the all-American ideal. I mean, he was he was the, the he was a golden boy, uh, and he was very much the uh, you know the don't drink, don't smoke, don't do drugs, stay in school, don't swear, be nice to your elders, uh, you know, wrapping himself on the flag, praying to Jesus three times a day, uh, embodiment of all that it meant to be a good American, and it, it and so you look back now and you realize how much of that must have been a scam at the time as well, uh, that he just sort of, you know, in true showbiz style, sort of morphs into whatever is necessary at the moment to make money. Now we have this uh, Tucson, Arizona man stung a dozen times by bees, and his son, uh, son was stung 50 times. Uh, Tucson Fire was called to a photography studio. They found 82-year-old Frank Martinez suffering from a dozen bee stings. His 56-year-old son, Frank Jr., was stung 50 times. They were taken to the hospital, expected to be five. The two found a big beehive. Another brother, Michael, says, well, he had recommended hiring a pro before they even touched it. I told him that we need to get a bee re removal service. Uh, they elected today to come in and try and set off some bug bombs to try and uh, get the bees out of there, and evidently that was a bad idea. <laughs> you think? All right. Uh, the fire chief was able to get rid of most of the bees. We did find a very large hive. We did foam the hive and get the majority of the bees, but there are some residual bees that are there. Residual bees. All right, you want to anger the residual bees, they'll come right at you. Uh, all right. That's gonna, of course, now all the British listeners are emailing me and upbraiding me for the way that I was pronouncing let's just Leicester, whatever the hell. Um, let's see. All right. Uh, what should we do here? Let's, uh, hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, everybody. What's up? Um, I just want to do a couple of things. First of all, point of no return, best part of that, that movie is the first 10 minutes when you see Bridget's face. You remember her teeth were all, like, knocked out. That's that's when I said 90% of the movie, because in the first part of the movie, she's, yeah, she's all grubby, and her teeth yeah. are black, and her hair is strange. And they turn her into this, this totally cool chick that jumps down ramps and stuff. Yeah. No, uh, second thing, I'm in the middle. I need you and Sarah to help me, and, and Tim, perhaps, if he has the time. I'm in the middle of something called Summerland. It's a book. Okay. And it's screaming you guys at me. I, have you, anybody heard of it? It's, Summerland. Anyone? What's it about? I don't it, think it's so. a, a boy who travels through different dimensions and uses baseball. He plays baseball in different dimensions to save the world. Uh-huh. Nope. Uh, it, it just screams you guys. I just wondered if is anybody it sort of an, it. Is it sort of a humor novel, or is it serious? Or No, it's, it's, um, it's on the lines of Tolkien kind of a thing. I have kind of a, a limited taste for sort of fantasy uh, books, so, you know, that stuff kind of runs hot and cold with me. Uh, is it a recent book? No, I guess it's been out for a while. Michael uh, Chabon is the author. Oh, Michael Chabon wrote yeah. one of my favorite books what? of all time. He wrote The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay. Yeah. Right. This the movie's a, supposed to be coming out. Really? Is that true? This one has a little sob. It's a sob car that they name uh, Helovicer, and they put this 
helium balloon on top, and they sail from different realities and play baseball. He also and the only way they can get through each reality is if they win the baseball. Okay, game. see, I, I'll, I'll read it because of his name alone. He also wrote the Wonder Boys, um, and he wrote uh, the Yiddish Policeman's Ball or Yiddish Policeman's Union, whatever it is that book that came out. Um, yeah, this, you really give it a shot. Right. I know if you're not big on it, but it's really kind of cool. It deals with coyote being they call the the bad guys coyote. So All it's right. kind of romantic. No, Michael Shaban, I will totally I will read it because of your recommendation in his name. Well, and I actually just Sarah, best yeah. movie. I need to go. To, I'm taking my babies. Well, the babies, they're my nieces. They're 17 and 18. Um, give me a movie to take them to this weekend. Sex in the City. Sex in the City. I'm just trying to be disruptive. There's a there's a lot of sex in the city. Man, I don't know. Um, I, well, Rick and everyone are so anti like the Indiana Jones movie. It's kind of hilarious, even though. It's, well, I'm not anti that, but I would say that if they haven't expressed an interest in that kind of film before, that's not the time to start. Yeah. No. But in all in all honesty, Rick, you did very justice to Indiana Jones. I I, I think I understand what you're trying to say. Everybody should see it because I, it's an institution. I, I give it a I really solid. Yeah, I don't. I really don't know because all that's been on my radar for movies, you know, this past week has been Sex in the City. So I don't even really know what else is in the theater. Uh, I will tell you though, we're going to have Aaron Geek in the City Duran with us tomorrow, our film critic, uh, and so you might want to uh, be listening tomorrow. And I'll ask him the question. Okay, cool. Right. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you. Summerland. Bye now. Bye. All right. Yeah, um, The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay is one of the best books I have ever read yeah. in my life. It is. It is. I, I I don't know that it's the great American novel. But I tell you that if somebody came up to me tomorrow, like if the heavens open tomorrow and God boomed out, I hereby anoint the amazing adventures of Cavalier and Clay, the great American novel, I would have no problem with that. I, don't I know. spent my entire weekend nonstop reading that book. It is so good. It's breathtakingly yeah. good. It's stunningly good. In fact, I, I now it's so good that I'm sort of ashamed that we haven't sort of already mentioned it as one of our maybe Powell selections, except that it got a great deal of acclaim when it came out. So I feel like maybe it doesn't. There are books that deserve the attention more. I didn't know they were making a movie of that. Yeah. Oh, that makes me excited and fearful. You know, um, I have to give credit. The guy who actually turned me on to the amazing adventures of Cavalier and Clay was Mike Chase, who had read it. And he described it the same way. He just said, he said, this is a, he said, this is a great American novel. You've got to read it. And it really is Michael Chabon, C-H-A-B-O-N. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Speak. Hey, thanks for blowing it for me, Rick. I appreciate you, uh, you know, the Bridget Fonda thing. I'm a big fan of hers. Blowing what? But sir? I don't see a lot of movies, and then you just blow all the plots for me. So all I'm right, like, you know, why do I bother? Is this the end of your monologue? No, not really. Okay, what did I blow for you, sir? Well, you were already giving away, like, plot of the movie and, uh, you know, a few other things. So, what, what movie? Well, what movie were you talking about? What movie well, are you let me understand about? this. So now I'm being accused of ruining something that you don't even know. Well, it's not that I don't know. I mean, what movie was, was what movie was I ruining? Well, the one version of the movie. Now I'm trying to think of which one it was. How are Wait, you going no. to watch it if you don't know what it's called? Well, if it's Bridget Fonda, I'll be able to find it. Let me understand this. Point no return. Did you have plans to watch it before? Well, you know, eventually. I don't spend a whole lot of time in front of a television. I'll put it to you that way. All right. So what is it you think I've ruined? <laughs> Well, you're giving away the plot. And I thought, you know, that's not fair. I don't want to hear about that. Well, I don't know the plot. All I know is that no. she doesn't have teeth in the beginning. And yeah, I haven't does. given away anything that you can't see on the back of the box. Oh, okay. Oh, and also, tell Timmy I challenged him to a game of Battleship Monday. Okay. You know, if it's all the same to you, I'm not going to tell Timmy that. All right, thanks. 503-733-2970. It's like disproportionate anger day. So the Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay is, quote, in pre-production... Released for next year, but no month. No, any cast? No. Nope. Attached director? Nope. 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 You know, that's such a great book that I'd be happy. Our director if... is Stephen Daldry. I don't know who that is. Well, let's find out. I would be happy if they never made that, though, because it would just, if they did it poorly, it would just, it would kill me. It really would.
Uh, he did a movie called The Reader. Well, it's not out yet. Then Cinema 16 British short films. Mm. The Hours. Bill. Oh, he did Billy Elliot. Oh, well. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello, Rick. Hello. Hello, Tim. Hello, Sarah. Hello. Hello. Hi. I wanted to let you know, first off the bat, that uh, Xbox Live has just started offering both uh, G4 shows, like Code Monkey, for, do- for download. Excellent. And the entire Troma catalog, including but not limited to Cannibal the Music. Really? Yes. That's fantastic. Good for them. All right. Good for them. Right. The other thing that I wanted to say is I do have an idea for the name of the meth segment. Yes. Uh, it could be just Tim Riley on meth. <laughs> okay, that's funny. That's legitimately funny. And now Tim Riley on meth. That Thank is you. really good. Thank you, sir. That's really, really good. Can we maybe sneak in, uh, sneak in the uh, Richard Quest uh, sneaky, snacky, wacky, cracky at the end? If, do we still have it? I'm sure we can find it. If we have but wacky, cracky, snicky, snacky, wacky, cracky. Tim, how do you feel about a Tim Riley on meth? Sure, I'm agreeable. <laughs> I think that's a great idea. Here is Tim Riley on whatever he's discussing next. Ah, uh, penis watch. Here's Tim Riley on <laughs> penis. Take a look at my wow. That was sort of out of my mouth. That was sort of out of my mouth before I tried to pull it back in. <laughs> what were you talking about? Nothing. Penis watch. Uh, here's Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. So a roadside toilet stop ended in pain, embarrassment, almost death for a tourist when a highly venomous snake bit the end of his penis. The deadly brown snake slithered between his legs and lunged at his manhood as he crouched on a roadside. Wow. Uh, details of the incident only came to life yesterday. It certainly had a swipe at him, said an ambulance attendant. Uh, as it came through, it must have been a bit of a shock. I guess it was. You the, think? The uh, snake uh, had a hasty retreat, leaving its victim with a scratch, vomiting and abdomen pain. Emergency workers raced to the scene to treat the man. The wound was wrapped in plastic in case poison had penetrated the skin, but medical staff gave the man it all clear after conducting tests on the penis. He was taken to Cooktown Hospital, spent the night recovering. He's described as lucky. I think he was a bit shocked and embarrassed. <laughs> lucky. No yeah. name given. You couldn't possibly be luckier. Uh, I guess this is kind of related. A uh, This is from Salt Lake City. A Brighton High School employee has been charged with supplying alcohol to students in exchange for photographs of their genitals. Uh, Brian Scott Hansen of West Valley City was a temporary employee at the school who occasionally helped at sporting events and ran the clock for some games. Uh, deputies wrote that four male students uh, said Hansen asked for pictures sometime between January 2007 and this month. Hansen admitted to making the trade. Investigators wrote, in his bedroom, the Texas found uh, pictures of male genitalia with students' names written on the back. Yeah. It faces four counts of solicitation to commit sexual exploitation, which is a third-degree felony. Uh, he passed a background test for employment. He worked at the school until April. Of course. There's your double penis watch for uh, Thursday on the Rick Emerson Show. This email says, Rick, did you really just get upset at a caller for uh, and say it's disproportionate anger day? Maybe your phones are busy, but I believe Kettle is trying to call you. Right, thank you. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Oh, hey. Good afternoon. Could I talk to Richie? Why didn't you talk to him before you got through? Well, he's not—he's not picking up. I thought I was going to get him. Yeah. All right, hold on a second. Hold on, stay there. Now uh, we'll. Uh... No, wait. No, hold on, Richie. Can you join us in the studio, please? 
Richie doesn't appear to be. Wait. Here we go. It's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, our intrepid PA, Richie Bristol. Oh, good news. Hello, how are you? <laughs> All right, I'm good. All I was right. actually just thinking that I was a little desensitized to that now and then oh, after no. that. Oh, you haven't ever heard the thing I'm going to play later. Uh, uh, Richie, this caller wants to speak with you. Uh-oh. Go ahead, sir. Hey, it's uh, Grandrew. Hey, Grandrew, what's up? Um, well, I just wanted to ask you off the air if um, there was any street teams um, positions for um, CBS Radio, uh, more, more specifically AM 970s. Uh, if you go to the AM970 site, it says, want a, want a job with us, and you go there in your link, and it'll give you all the information. Good on look it. at you. Good all deflection. Right. Way to go. All right. all right. So there you go. Go to 970.am, sir. There should be a section there that uh, will appraise you of any openings that might that we might have. Excellent. Thank you. Thank I, 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 yeah, I just want to take care of that off the air, but oh well. All right. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. All right. There you go. Excellent. What is the good news, Richie? Uh... Tomorrow morning at 10 a.m., the tickets go on sale for the Mythbusters at yeah. Arlene Snitzer. I have five pairs of tickets we could give away. We just need to tell everybody that they go on sale tomorrow at 10 a.m. Really? I'm talking with the production lady from trying to get the interview. And- All right. Have you talked to Susan about that? Uh-oh. Okay. So make sure Susan's kind of in the loop on, on that right there. But well done. Look at you. Okay. And they're going to get back to us on an interview with Adam and the other dude. Uh, Adam and uh, Jamie. Jamie. Excellent. All right. Cool. Excellent. Thank you. Okay. I think a Richie Bristol lady. He's very efficient. He really is. He really is. is. I was just saying that to somebody yesterday, actually, that uh, as crazy and off-putting as Richie occasionally is for whatever reason, I mean, he gets more done by, like, noon than I think Scotty got done in several lifetimes. I mean, I think we all have to admit that that's true. I know. I I love the Scotty, but... I mean, I love Scotty, too, but it's sort of like, you know, it's like loving a dog with three legs. Let's be honest. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Yes, sir. I'm a little disappointed in you, Rick. I mean, yesterday that guy calls up and he's giving you giving you crap about the battleships, and then the same guy calls up today and giving you crap about plots and. Whatever. I don't even know what guy was giving me crap about battleships. Well, I heard it the other day. It's the same guy, and he mentioned battleships. <laughs> he mentioned it again. Who remembers a guy giving me crap about battleships? No, it was about me. Oh, giving you guys crap about battleships, Just me. Yes. movies. Oh yeah. On Jesuda, battleship duel, <laughs> and you just. Blow it off. I, I, well, people don't call here because they love us. No, it's that really is true. Truer words were never well, spoken. I love you guys. I love you guys. I want, to, I want you to kick his ass at Battleship. This guy's calling you out. No, it's not worth the effort. Does anybody really... Uh, re, wait, so uh, so he was challenging us to a, a duel at the game of Battleship? Yeah. Oh, no. I, that's that's almost certainly not something I'm going to spend my time doing. But, uh, no, you'll, he'll have to be content with that meager victory by default, sir. Well, it's better than a sword fight duel. Kind of pumping his head. Yes, no, I understand. Sword fight. All right, thank you. What? Is there a separate show going on that we're not paying attention to? <laughs> I don't understand. I really like That must be the HD. I was just going to say, there's a separate HD channel just for the crazy people that everybody is somehow hearing today. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Please try to be less crazy than people have been for the last 10 or 12 minutes. Well, I make an effort. Um, so yesterday you were talking to Lisa about something, I think possibly relating to press secretaries, and it reminded me of a story that I think you, Rick, would appreciate. Um, the actress who played C.J. Craig on The West Wing? Allison Janney. Yes. Um, she was on, I think, The Tonight Show a long, long time ago, and she told a story that um, CNN had contacted her to offer her a job as a news reporter when her um, really? when the show ended. Yeah. I don't know if anything ever happened to that, but uh, I thought you would appreciate that. That is fun. You know, I, I do have to say that she is 
she is so good in that role. And it's not only is Alison Janney exceptional as C.J. Craig, but it's a testament to how good Alison Janney is as an actress, that as indelible as the role of C.J. Craig is, that she can sort of seamlessly shift into other roles and you don't think of C.J. Craig. She was the stepmom in Juno. Uh, she was the... Um, yeah, she was the, she was the sort of abused next door wife in American Beauty. Um, she was the school teacher with whom John Travolta probably has uh, a sexual tryst in Primary Colors. And you look at all of those, and they're all kind of standalone roles, mm-hmm. uh, but each of them sort of seems definitive. Yeah, she really is one of America's great actresses. I wouldn't be surprised if she got any number of offers like that. Yeah, cool. And she's also kind of hot in a strange way. Not my type at all, but I do find her strangely sexy. All right. All right. Thank, Thank you. you. All right, there you go. Here's Tim Riley. Well, usually it's the Democrats who have Fox News itching under the collar, but an employee of Fox's New York City headquarters says it's bedbugs in her office. Now, Jane Clark is a 12-year uh, satellite coordinator veteran, and she was first bitten by bedbugs in October. And despite changing floors and promises from Fox that the problem has been handled, she keeps being bitten by bedbugs. She now fears returning to the office and suffers an endable nightmare. I wake up in the middle of the night and we'll check the sheets. Check the sheets under my husband that's sleeping. If it's a really bad nightmare, I'll go out and check the couch. What? <laughs> I don't understand. Can you play that again? Sure, she suffers some bed bugs at Fox. I wake up in the middle of the night and we'll check the sheets. Check the sheets under my husband that's sleeping. If it's a really bad nightmare, I'll go out and check the couch. <laughs> Now she has to see a psychiatrist three times a week. It's obviously Ms. Clark has sustained acute psychological injuries. The worst I've seen in 37 years of practice. Yes. So, I don't understand. She, uh, I have to confess that I kind of lost the thread of the story as you were reading it. She was bitten by bedbugs where? At Fox, where she works. And Fox News? Yes. Or like a Fox affiliate? Somewhere. No, Fox News in New York, their office. How is it, what was she doing in the office that would even put her in a position to be bitten by bedbugs. Just working. No, but that doesn't make any sense. You're working. You couldn't be bitten by bedbugs right there. We don't have bedbugs in here. But that's... Okay, but let's... Well, that's a fair point, Tim, but let's assume for the sake of argument the studio was filled with bedbugs. I wouldn't come in until they were eradicated. Well, maybe you don't have the work ethic that she does. But maybe we have bedbugs in here right now in the chairs. But now we're all going to start scratching. No, but I thought bedbugs were a thing, A, they were only in bedding, and B, don't you have to have, like, skin to... Bug contact? I don't know, but she has uh, mental injuries. I would see fuzz. I would think it was moving. <laughs> I'd see things crawling on the walls that aren't there. I think someone's having a bad trip. No, seriously. <laughs> I think somebody took the wrong sugar cube, honey. The walls were melting. <laughs> <laughs> and then I could, I could see music and I could hear paintings. Uh, all right. Do we have any more sound bites from her? Please say we do. No, that's please, it. Please, please, please. Okay, a continuing story just though. Play that last Ooh, one. Again. No, the first all one, over. The first Can you play? Just play one of them again. Okay, the crying one. I wake up in the middle of the night and we'll check the sheets. Check the sheets under my husband that's sleeping. It's a really bad nightmare. I'll go out and check the couch. You know what she sounds I like? Buzz. I would think it was moving. <laughs> I see things crawling on the walls that aren't there. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. Ms. Clark has sustained acute psychological injuries. The worst I've seen in 37 years of practice. What? They're bed bugs. Shut your trap. Get back to work. Oof. I mean, seriously. I... Everybody scratch. <laughs> you, that sounded like some weird 80s jazzercise instruction just now. Everybody scratch. Two, three, four.
So is anybody else? I think there's a lot more to be learned about the story. Is anybody else <laughs> scratching itself relentlessly? And I'm a little itchy now. I'm not itchy because there are I, bed bugs in here. Here's here's why I'm not itchy right now because I don't really know what bed bugs are. Okay, but Rick, come on. There's get, there's some questionable hygiene going on sometimes at radio stations. I don't dispute that, but I guess what here's what I'm saying. Late at night, who knows if somebody's that. not wearing a shirt sitting in our chairs? I guess what I'm saying is, I. Like, if we discuss spiders or earwigs or mosquitoes or mosquitoes or something, it, then then I get itchy because everybody kind of, I know what that feels, I know what a mosquito bite feels like. I know what it feels like to have a spider run across your leg. I have no idea what, I don't even know what bed bugs are. Are they ants? Are they beetles? What is a bed bug? A bed bug is a small nocturnal insect of the family okay, that lives by feeding on the blood of humans and other warm-blooded hosts. So it's nocturnal. So how would nocturnal insects be attacking you if you worked at Fox News? Is this implying that she's, like, sleeping off in the coat Maybe room? she worked the night shift. Maybe. I, when I worked at Coin, I, people would take naps on the on the couches in the green room all the time. And, okay, so the green room, so maybe the, bugs. maybe the couches at Fox News but are filled with bed bugs. Clothed. Is she the only person... The bed bugs? Yes. <laughs> they have little suits on. Is she the only person at Fox complaining about being attacked by bed bugs? So far this afternoon. Have we ruled out the possibility that she is crazy? No. Bed bugs can lay dormant for lack of food um, for up to 18 months without feeding. Uh, they lay in wait for you. I would think it was moving. <laughs> I'd see things crawling on the walls that aren't there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the thing is, even if I had not told you where she worked, everybody would have known Fox News. If I had said, what what national news network does this woman work at? Everybody, everybody would have known it was Fox. Okay, now I am itching. All right. Uh, let's do like one. I'm looking to see if they can be in anywhere but beds. Uh, hi, maybe it's a colloquial term. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, what's up, Rick? This oh. is Skip. Hey, Skip, by the way, before we do anything, we should note here that somebody just emailed me and said the steel bridge uh, just lifted uh, because the boats are all coming in early. So maybe they'll be done early, although we know that's not true. How can I help you, sir? Hey, I was just calling to say uh, you said you never have anybody call to just say they love you, and I love you guys. You guys are the best. And uh, to prove so... My fiance, I hate that word, so my girlfriend and I were just talking this morning. She's eight and a half months pregnant, and we're putting together the stuff that she wants for after she has the baby in the hospital. Mm -hmm. And she said the two things that she wants are an ice-cold Coke and her iPod full of Rick Emerson podcast. Excellent. Are you going to be taking taking care of that uh, for her? Oh, I am. I'm loading it up right now. You're a good person. All right. What are you you going to name the child? Is it going to be Rick or is it going to be Emerson? It's actually going to be Phoenix. Oh. Well, all right. Yeah. You're we so have a full of yourself, Rick. Look, you, you, you can say that because there was already a baby oh, named Riley Dillon. Are, our names are pretty. Like, Riley Dillon has a photo dot Emerson. My, Emerson is, you know what it is? Emerson has a certain, Riley and Dillon are pretty names, but I would say that Emerson has a certain stately uh, dignity to it, Sarah. I don't think so. It sounds just, um, no. I know, actually, I know an Emerson and his name. Filthy pirate hooker. All right. Uh, thank you, sir. And congratulations you. on your on your impending uh, child having Thank. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Emerson sounds All like right. a baby from Gresham. <laughs> That's a mean thing to say. You take that <laughs> back right from now. Gresham. Uh, let's Riley see. Dillon, I'm sure, lives up in the West Hills. Yeah. Anywho, uh, Rick, about the best of Portland poll, um, uh, let's see. Uh, there's a category for best place to get your hair waxed. I guess in retrospect, I know what that means, but the first thing I pictured in my head was having that wax poured onto my head and having my hair ripped out. Carl Click gets my vote for best local TV personality who seems like a real person. Uh, and although I haven't completed the survey, I got to the question of this is the one where people are voting for us, uh, theoretically. The category is actually best local radio host who isn't bat-ass crazy. 
He says, uh, is this the place I'm supposed to vote for you? I think it's well documented that you are, in fact, bat-ass crazy. You can see the bind I'm in, Rick. Well, I suppose. Uh, let's see. What else do we have here? Um, uh, da, da, da. Okay, yeah, just uh, let's see. Rick, a Willamette Week poll update for you. While voting for you in best local radio personality, I also took the time for honor you as best local athlete. Thank you, sir. And Rick Emerson's house has been voted for as the best local place to get wasted. Uh, how about this? Here's another one. Rick, in addition to voting in addition to voting several times for your radio show in the Willamette Week poll, I've also been filling in the category of best local scandal with Rick Emerson getting caught doing all that blow. You're welcome. Thank you, my friend. All right, let's do one more here, and we'll take a break. We'll come back with Dorothy Casaseri from the National Enquirer. Now, what's the, we should be giving out the proper link, too, in case people can't get to... Uh, well, you can go to rickemerson.com, uh, and there's a direct link uh, to the uh, to the Willamette Week. It's the best of Portland poll, and I think the polls it's close. Just, it's wweek.com forward slash BOP, best of Portland, BOP 2008. Yeah, and uh, what she said. And I think the polls close at the end of the day tomorrow, maybe midnight tomorrow, something. We should call Byron and find out. Uh, so I think we were ahead... And then we were behind Court and Fatboy. Now, part of the problem here is that Court and Fatboy get to bat last because they're on seven to midnight tomorrow. So we have to make a we have to make a big final push today and tomorrow to properly shame them. Here's Tim Riley. Mmm, pop. A member of the band Hanson has welcomed a child. Zach Hanson has confirmed to People magazine that he and his wife Kate are now parents of a son. I have no idea which Hanson it is. Wait, who? Uh, Zach Hansen. Zach is the kid. He was the little kid that was the drummer. Well, this is children having children then, because his wife They've just all had, had kids. Yeah, I think they're... It's even the middle one who's ugly. Mm-hmm. Even the middle one who's ugly. Yes. No, the older one was ugly. Can you imagine alligators yes. in Kansas? A two-foot-long alligator has been found in a creek. Uh, Evelyn Fleischman of the Leavenworth Animal Control said a role of the handyman's friend, duct tape, came in handy in capturing the gator. Basically, you're too close to a, a combustible structure, but this case would be the, the balcony and the, the apartment complex. That's the wrong one. <laughs> I was. Let me go back and try to find her again. And it, oh, here she is. Here she is capturing the gator with duct tape. At first, I didn't know what I was going to do when I approached it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I brought the duct tape because you watch those shows where they bring the duct tape. How did you capture this reptile in Kansas? Well, my husband was actually the one that grabbed the alligator, and he held the mouth closed, and then we taped the duct tape on the alligator's mouth. <laughs> okay. Hicks in their natural environment. Like, who, who's like, hey, there's an alligator. I need to get as close to it as possible. We'll check the sheets. Check the sheets under my husband that's sleeping. It's a really bad nightmare. I'll go out and check the couch. Let's take a break, shall we? We'll come back. Uh, when we come back, more from Tim Riley, Dorothy Carcassari here. I've got this. Uh, I've got this great Court and Fatboy thing to play. I kind of feel bad for not asking them in advance, but Chris Paddock said it was okay. <laughs> he told me I could do it. <laughs> uh, let's see what else. Uh, Peter from Nickel Arcade is going to be here to count down the top five songs that kids cut themselves to in 2008. Morgan Grace in the studio and uh, more of your phone calls. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. His faith no more. Don't go anywhere. Rick Emerson radio program, an excursion into whimsy. Uh, this is about bed bugs, Rick. You've made me begin worrying about this bug that I've noticed in my bedroom for the last few days. There's just the one, so I haven't taken much notice of it, but now I wonder. The last place I saw it was on the arm of my Shakespeare action figure. Now I'm anxious to get home and investigate. What is this bug in my bedroom? I don't know, ma'am. Be sure to let us know. 
All right, it's 503-733-2970. Let's welcome now to the uh, Rick Emerson Show, uh, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru, Susan Don't F with Me Reynolds. Hello, how are you today? I'm great. All right, you have exciting news for us. I have exciting news. This just in. Well... You know Mythbusters. We were just now, we had uh, said, we were talking about Mythbusters, uh, well, as we often do on the show, and then somebody had, it was just that day, actually, I think it was yesterday afternoon, somebody yeah, told me they were was, coming to the show. with me. Yes. <laughs> Hello, somebody, yes. Uh, I, I, I'm sorry, I think I got, but I think multiple <laughs> okay, people. Okay, maybe so. Like, I got a bunch of, dude, check this out! Yeah. Like, everybody sort of I got the deep. email that yeah. said they're coming to the to the Schnitzer yeah. in October, so I quickly forwarded to you, I said, whoa, we got to yeah. get on this, and you said, absolutely, so today, guess what, we're on this. And um, we have a couple pairs of tickets to give away <clears throat> today. Fantastic. And a couple pairs of tickets to give away tomorrow. Um, the, the tickets are actually going on sale tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock at the um, at, uh, the PCPA box office. Uh, so let's see. So this or is, Ticketmaster.com. So this, so this is going to be uh, when? In October? Is that when this is actually happening? Yes. It is happening October uh, 5th. Uh, on a Sunday at the Arlene Schnitzer Concert Hall at 2 p.m. So uh, Jamie and Adam are going to be there, yeah. and uh, it says here uh, they will be doing a hilarious and entertaining Inside the Scientist Studio-style presentation. They will bring stories of myths gone wrong and outtakes of segments never seen on the air. They will answer questions about their unique personal chemistry and the mad science behind making one of the most popular shows on television. You give Jamie and Adam your suggestions for myths they should bust on future programs. Behind the scenes at Mythbusters uh, does not... It'll be interactive, so it's a chance yeah. for the, the audience to uh, ask questions, participate. How often do you get to do that? No, it's very Whatever. cool. So it's, exactly. no, it, it, it's it, <laughs> it seems like it's genius. It's totally us. So It's us, and now we're involved, and uh, we're going to try to get those guys on the air with you, too. So we have a two pair of tickets to Mythbusters Live, uh, behind the scenes at Mythbusters, happening uh, later on this year. Uh, so we have two pair today, two pair tomorrow. That is correct. Excellent. Fantastic. So don't forget, though, uh, you know, if you're not one of the lucky four people to win. Tickets uh, can be purchased yeah. at all Ticketmaster outlets and the PCPA box office. Uh, and they go on sale tomorrow at 10 a.m. 10 a.m. Excellent. Fantastic. So this Wonderful. is very exciting news, and uh, that's why I had to rush right in here. Thank you so much. I could. Thank you for awesome. putting that together. Now it's you're right, and I and I do remember how it happened yesterday because you had sent me the email, and I I had no sooner responded to you than my phone started buzzing, mm -hmm. and it was like nine different people, uh, you know, like Aaron and Brady, were like, yeah. "Oh my God, OMG! Have you seen the <laughs> Mythbusters guys? They're coming to right Portland." So very cool. So two pair of uh, tickets we'll be giving away before the end of the show to behind the scenes at Mythbusters, which is going to be happening at the uh, at the Arlene Schnitzer Concert Hall later on this year. Two pair tomorrow. And uh, perhaps more to come. And perhaps. And I, I will tell you that when I was speaking with this woman who uh, is helping us get this set up, she and I was getting all excited, and she obviously knew she had hit the jackpot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, this no, is going to be this good. Is, she couldn't have found a better outlet Well, for that's this. what so I this told her. Us to a T. Yes. All right, so I'm just going to figure out, because, you know, contesting is always my strong suit. No, it isn't. So, so But I figure that uh, <laughs> it will become obvious. All right. So, I'll, you know. I'm handing it over to you, and it, and you will do your thing. So within the next uh, six to eight minutes, I will endeavor to give these. I'll find a way to do I it. I know you can do it. I right. know you can, Rick. Excellent. Well done. Thank All right. So thank you, guys. All right. Susan oh, Reynolds, welcome. ladies and thank gentlemen. You, Excellent. Wonderful. All right. It's 503-733-2970. So sometime before the end of the program, two pair of tickets to behind the scenes at Mythbusters uh, happening later on this year with uh, Jamie and Adam at the Schnitzer. Uh, uh, in the next hour as well, Morgan Grace will be here. Uh, Peter from Nickel Arcade, counting on the top five bands to which teenagers cut themselves in 2008. This, however, is Tim. And now, 
From the Ministry of Truth. Riley. This is Tim Riley. I don't know whether or not to call this a stuff watch or a geek watch, so let's call it a sneak watch. What, what is she supposed to play? I don't know. <laughs> Can I play something totally sure. random? <laughs> what is she? A sneak watch? Thank you. We haven't played this forever. Oh. I was just thinking that yesterday. Democracy on the March. All right. Here's Tim Riley with your sneak watch. Joseph Pevney, who directed some of the best love episodes of the original Star Trek television program, has died at the age of 96. He died at his home in Palm Desert. He directed 14 episodes of the 60s series, including... The Trouble with Tribbles. Really? Yeah. Uh... He was surprised at the longevity of it because it wasn't a popular series at the time. It was not. He's correct. It uh, hit real popularity in syndication after it was played over and over again. He directed with precision and was highly uh, organized. He was very relaxed, in fact, says uh, George Takai, who played Mr. Sulu. I enjoyed working with him. Pevney, was uh, that your was that your George Takai? It was. On short uh, notice. Uh, uh, Pevney had made his movie uh, debut. Uh, 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 Playing a killer in the 1946 Nocturne as an actor, he made several other film noir appearances, but then turned to directing, as everyone does, in the 1950s. His first one was Shakedown. He went on to direct some 35 films, including The Man of a Thousand Faces with James Cagney, as silent co-star Lon Chaney was in that. Also, Tammy and the Bachelor, and Debbie Reynolds in her first uh, number one hit record, Tammy. In the 1960s, he turned to television. He directed Wagon Train, Fantasy Island... The Incredible Hulk and Copper John, M.D. And then he, but the trouble with Tribbles, I don't want to say that it's. I'll anger people if I say it's the definitive Star Trek episode, but I would say that I, I think of the original of the original series, I would say it's the most widely known. Uh, I would say if you go up to the average non-Star Trek, you know, fan and talk about the early Star Trek, they all know the trouble with Tribbles. Uh, I myself have a little squeaking Tribble action figure uh, at home, so I mean, and I'm not like a massive fan of Star Trek. So, all right, farewell to you. Joseph Pevney. Yeah, him. Forever. I'm so glad you decided to play that, Sarah. Good for you. That was a good choice. Yeah. yeah. All right. Hey, how's this for an idea? Um, it, because in the, in the next, Tim has that rueful smile as though he's about to endure something embarrassing and tedious. That's usually the case, Rick. Yes, it is, Sarah, but not this time. You know why? What do you think of this? Oh, God. <laughs> it's spectacular. I think it's genius. <laughs> Shut up! Don't you mock me! I can tell when I'm being placated! Uh, so in the next hour, we have Morgan Grace, Peter from Nickel Arcade, more from Tim Riley, etc. Top five. Um, then we got to give away two pair of Mythbusters tickets today, because we got to do two tomorrow, and otherwise it just becomes a whole cluster. So, um, so two pair of Mythbusters tickets today, two pair tomorrow. What would you think about this? Um, that the first pair of tickets we give away, that we do like a high concept uh, segment, but the high concept is we should give away the Mythbusters tickets by blank. And the person who comes up with the winning mechanism by which we give away all the other tickets wins the first pair. What do you think? I think Susan was right. That I can't contest? But that's why I'm turning it over to the people. 
So by making them... Well, you tell me. How should I, I give them away? See, but, it's not the Sarah Dillon show. But that's what I'm saying. We all know that contesting is my Achilles heel. I can't... But I'm not good at it either. It's, it's my kryptonite. Tim, Maybe how we should, should we... get somebody else from in here, uh, in here to help us. Like who? I don't know, like anyone wandering the halls. So rather than asking the thousands of listeners, we should just pick some random guy wandering the halls. Body. No, but I'm trying to give us an idea so that we can actually you do there, a contest. sales guy. How should we... But I just I feel like this can't be a thing where I do like and now caller five. You're saying that the person who comes up with the contest gets a pair, and then and the then, person who um, yeah. wins the contest gets the second pair. I guess what I'm saying is this: we have four pair of tickets to give away today. Total. Okay. Two today, two tomorrow. So this is really confusing. no, no, no. It's not really confusing. <laughs> you're making it harder than it is. Why do you hate America? Okay, so the first pair given to the person who comes up who with comes the up idea with how we contest. give away the rest. Second pair for the person. Who then we just, wins the contest? Yeah, the first that the person came up with. <laughs> you, you are being deliberately obtuse. No. Okay, here's listen to me now. Here's how we do it. But I'm not. I hate you all. Here's how we would do it. Um, the person who comes up with the way we give all the other pair away will win the first pair. So that's your prize for coming up with how we give away the rest. In other words, this is not how we'll do it. This is not how we'll do it. But let's pretend, for the sake of argument, a caller calls up and goes, hey, how about if you give them to the ninth caller? And I go, that's genius. That's how we'll do it. And for coming up with the idea, you win the first pair. Do you see what and I mean? And then coming up later today, we'll have that contest. Yes. And, and then the, the person who all, wins that contest will win. Yes. All that's the, what I said. Yes. All the subsequent giveaways will be done with the mechanism come up by the first You're winner. very frustrating. Right I'm not frustrating. I'm just thinking at a higher level than all of you, jerks. What do you why we have the listeners do our work for us yes, again. Yes, yes, again. Uh, but what do you think of that idea of having having a listener? It's like how we had a listener come up with a top five idea, and then we had to do it. The listeners come up with everything. Yes, yes, they, they do, every Sarah. Theme for every party we've ever had. I do no real work. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I don't do anything. Now, how do you how do you feel about that? I feel pretty good, Tim Riley. I've never felt better. You don't know what we're talking about, do you? I do, too. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I Please feel like if I, if I push ever so slightly on your agreement, it's going to collapse like a, like a Potemkin uh, village there. So, all right. Uh, let's do one more, and then we'll take a break, and we'll come back. All right. Well, a bank robber who stashed $2,000 inside his anus <laughs> was given away when police heard rustling noises. From his buttocks. Mm-hmm. From his buttocks and found the loot. Uh, Michael Lynn, who's unemployed... Did, uh, why do you know they found bank? they found the booty? Mm-hmm. Uh, Come on. Well, anyway, as a female member was filling a bag with cash, he told her he was sorry. He then drove to a lake, tried to burn his clothes he was wearing using some petrol and papers in his car. But uh, nearby construction workers but... spotted the fire and used shovels to save some of the papers. Wait, they used a shovel on his ass? No, on the fire. It was like one of those little like gardening shovels. Yes. <laughs> the trowel. <laughs> uh, police became suspicious when they were questioning him and heard uh, rustling noises uh, coming out of his anus. <laughs> uh, further investigation, <laughs> they discovered a roll of cash protruding from his uh, derriere. Is that the end of the story? Yes. Did you know the spotted owl now has malaria? I don't know. <laughs> Kill me! All yes. right. That, so, that was the end of this. We story. have to do one more pun before we end. Um, wait. Hold on. Oh. Boy. Hold on. Hold on. Initially, no. This is the best pun ever, and then we're just gonna go right into the gonna go right into the bump on this, right into the liner out. We'll just skip the bump to come. About this about this guy that had all the money uh, hidden in his anus. Yes. All right. So. 
Police, <laughs> police were initially baffled, but they found the money in the end. Ah! Okay, we have this. Rick, what if you come up with a list of myths or urban legends, but one thing on the list is true? The listener has to pick the one thing off the list that's true, and if successful, they win the pair of tickets. That's good, but we need someone else to do that other work for us as well. Why we suck. God, I don't know. All right. Uh, we have two pair of tickets to uh, Mythbusters Behind the Scenes coming to Portland later this year to the Schnitzer. Uh, two pair today, two pair tomorrow. Hey, did Richie have anything to do with this? What? Because uh, wasn't anything, anyone from the Discovery Channel, one of your things that you buy him a bottle of liquor if he got them on the show? I don't remember. I'm pretty sure it was. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What? Hello, hi. Hello, yes. hello. Hello. Uh, okay, after that last news story, I had another idea, but that might not be appropriate. Um, <laughs> the first one, Radio Craps with your Dice of Destiny. Start of the day, you roll your point, and then for every person that you take a phone call, you roll for them, and if they match it, bam, winner. What? Let me slow down. Your Dice of Destiny, the beginning of the day or, or whenever. Yes. You roll it, you get a point. Okay, I rolled a 14. Then, for every phone call that you take, everybody gets a roll of the dice. If they match that number 14, oh, I see. then they're the winner. That way, it's fairly random. Okay. The Fair other enough. one was, you know, after that, last, after that last uh, contest is who could stuff the most money in their anus. No. Thanks. Bye. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. All right. Well, since you're having us do your work for you, how yes. about, uh, like, take two of the uh, musical beds that you have to name and... Uh, you know, make a listener get two in a row. So that way, if some unfortunate listener gets the first one and not the second one, bam, you've got more work done for you. You still get to keep the tickets. So is it it's a name that tune for bumper music? You got it, because you guys are trying to go through and name all the bumper music. So uh, why not have us do that for what you, What do you too? think about that, Sarah, that we play two pieces of bumper music and they have to correctly identify at least one of them? That's a good idea, actually. All right. Now, is that a thing? Are we? Is that fixed so we can play it down the phone? Yeah, well, I believe so. All right. All let's right. See, let's try. Let's see. Um, I'll pull it up and see if we can hear. All right. Let's do a test on you, sir. Now you don't have to identify this, but we're going to see if you can actually hear this music bed. Okay. That's not a bad idea, actually. All right. It will be like a name that piece of unlabeled bumper music. That, but see, that's a great contest actually because it's musical. It's name that tune. Everybody sort of has a fair shot at it, and it's sort of a thing within a thing because then it's again somebody doing more of our work. Well thought of, sir. All right, sir. Let's we'll see if you can hear. Tell it. me if you can hear this piece of music. Okay. Yes. All right. You are able to hear that. Yes, I can. All right. Sarah, what do you think about this contest? I think it's a pretty damn good idea. I like it. So, sir, in your world, the listener would have to name one of the two pieces of bumper music. Yes. Or if you wanted to make it obnoxiously difficult, you could make them name two in a row. That way, if they mm -hmm. only get one, you've still got work done for you, and the contest still goes on. I like the one out of two. I like giving okay. them, you know, half and half. They are pretty, All right. Some of them are, like, random chunks. What of is your name, sir? Uh, this is Mitch. All right, Mitch, you have won yourself a pair of passes to behind the scenes at Mythbusters. A hilarious evening uh, with Jamie and Adam. Tickets uh, go on sale tomorrow through all Ticketmaster outlets or at the PCPA box office uh, at 10 a.m. Are you coming to the, the show, dude? Yes, indeed. Excellent. Well, congratulations, my man. I'm glad that they're going to a fan. So I'm going to put you on hold. Richie Bristol will get your information. Uh, the tickets will not be available for pickup until they're actually sort of out and on sale and whatever. But uh, okay. but you have is nagged yourself a pair of tickets. Nagged. You have snagged yourself. <laughs> I was going to go with nabbed or snagged, and then it went to nagged. You have snagged yourself a pair of tickets to behind the scenes at Mythbusters. Uh, hang on, Rich. You'll get your information. All right. Thank, thank you. you. Sure. Oh, thank you. And see, now we've only got one more pair to give away today. 
You know, and it's not like I'm sort of trying to get rid of all the stuff. It's just that I, I'm a bad contester. So we'll do one more pair today, and then, uh, you know. I think you just developed a mental block about it. Like, I was a high jumper, um, and I all of a sudden developed a mental block because I landed on the bar once, and then I just could never do it again. I think that you've kind of made yourself. Hey, you know what it is? It's that I live in the shadow of Don Geronimo. I mean, really, that's got to, that's what it is. Because but we all live in the shadow of Don Geronimo because he's no longer on the air. And, you know? and those guys, I mean, Don and Mike, uh, you know, Don Geronimo especially, but the Don and Mike show, they were, they did the best contests I've ever heard on the radio. And ever. now you're allowed to continue them because Don has retired <laughs> and nobody them. will know that you're stealing them. <laughs> yeah, but you know me. I would feel compelled to sort of admit it. I would feel it's what I do. I would be compulsively sort of go, I stole this. <laughs> I'd be like Buster in that episode of Arrested to be wearing a big sign. Like, I stole. Uh, all right. Let's see here. So here's a question. So here's what we got to do, Sarah. Uh, with the next 50 minutes, Tim, top five with Peter, Morgan Grace, one more pair of tickets. Is Peter here? Richie, is Peter uh, from Nickel Arcade here now? Or is he still lagging behind? No. So what do you say, Morgan? Let's do Morgan. All right. Let's welcome Morgan Grace to the uh, Rick Emerson Show. Richie, if you want to go ahead and bring Morgan. I saw her... Uh... Is she I going to be she, playing for us today? I believe so. I know that she's, I mean, I would hope so. I don't know. I, I guess maybe I should have made that more specifically clear to her. But I do believe that the, she'll be favoring us with a song. I think at the very least uh, she's got that CD coming out. So where did you go? Oh. <laughs> Looked over and you were completely gone. All right. Uh, now entering the studio, the lovely Morgan Grace. Hello, Morgan. How are you today? All right. Um, I apologize for these dollar ninety nine headphones that you're. We're very classy in here. Right. Yeah, we're we're an upscale program. All right. Muppet. Sorry. For the he's love in, of God. Bed. All right. I said sorry. It's all part of the experience we provide here at the Rick Emerson Show. All right. Thanks for having um, me. No, thank you for coming in, Morgan. All right. So it's, we're kind of putting this together ad Much hoc today. Our schedule sort of uh, getting uh, getting a little a little rounded about. All right, Richie, do me a favor. Will you swap out these headphones, please, so Morgan has the sort of the sort of better pair. Well, I, I want her to be able to kind of hear herself when she plays, so that would be fantastic. All right. Um, and coming up uh, here later on in the program, uh, Peter from Nickel Arcade will be here. We're going to be counting on the top five songs that kids cut themselves to in 2008. Uh, Tim Riley with more news and another pair of passes to behind the scenes at Mythbusters uh, happening live in Portland uh, later on uh, this year. All right, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, Morgan Grace. Hi, Morgan. Hello. How are you? I'm terrific. All I right. feel fantastic. Do I'm... you really feel fantastic, or is that just something you're saying? I don't think she says me. things and doesn't mean them. Is that, I mean... It's not, like, wrong. it's not like just a stock response to make me quit asking about your uh, emotional state? No, I feel good. Excellent. I can't hear myself. Are you, uh, let me uh, try that. Yay. All right. Can you hear it? <laughs> loud enough? Too loud? That's great. All right. Excellent. Uh, so you have, what, an EP, an LP? Uh, yes. I don't, even, uh, I don't even know when something stops being an EP and starts becoming an LP. Well, it was an EP, and that we brought you the first copy. Uh, really? Yep. Excellent. Wonderful. Yeah. All right, ten songs. See, the ten songs isn't an EP. Yeah, but it clocks in at under thirty minutes, so it still kind of feels like an EP. So now, is this? Are these uh, uh, demos? Are these sort of live cuts? What is the? They're they're all demos. They're they were all recorded in my apartment um, over the last year, and um, yeah, I just I I had a falling out with my band, um, and I was playing with Cleveland, and I just right. sort of removed myself from my own music for a while and um i just started recording these demos in my room and and i just i don't know i just decided like 
got 10 of these. Not to sound like a creepy stalking guy, but did you uh, record these? Is this, because there's that photo, I think, on your MySpace page where there's, it's like the... <laughs> you creepy stalker. When I was looking in your window one night, I saw this four-track. <laughs> uh, but you have like a four-track or an eight-track or something, and it sort of, you had this great shot of like, it was like a bunch of guitars yeah. laid out and then the recording thing or whatever. So you, totally. so these are really like homemade, like bedroom recordings, so yeah. to speak. Uh, I, uh... Sarah, are you hearing a little uh, hum on the mic when, when yeah. Morgan talks? All right. I apologize. I'm, I'm going to swap these mics, Morgan. So oh, okay. We'll see if this And perhaps up. a little closer. Yeah, let me get further high. up on the mic there. Okay. All right, let's try that. Oh, that's much better. Yeah. All right, there we go. Yeah, there's a little, uh, <laughs> little sort of uh, interference happening there. So, um, so the the CD comes out when? It comes out, uh, well, they're available Saturday, um, May 31st. I'm doing an in-store at Music Millennium um at 5 p.m. on Saturday and then we're doing the CD release show proper at um Doug Fur um Sunday night um music starts at 9 it'll be London and the Look and Oh Darlin and uh, my friend Jerry from Millionaire Magicians who's in town from Nashville he'll do like a short set and then me at like 11 I think what you the last time you were here I think I asked you whenever I have a musician in the studio I always I try to sort of find out like wh- where it began or what was the record or you know what was the moment or whatever and you you told me a story a long time ago and I don't know if you remember telling me this um it was I think it was the first time we ever actually met, and there was this whole awkwardness where you, because uh, I think you you disliked me intensely, or maybe still do, <laughs> for all I know. But I, you'd had some sort of problem with me, like I was a stone in your shoe or whatever. Uh, and then I think you, uh, at some point you decided to start speaking to me. That and emotion is gone. <laughs> it's been burned out of me. <laughs> what happened? I uh, I don't know. I mean, am I tell? I mean, that actually wasn't the reason I was bringing up the story. But do I have that right that at some point you'd, I know you'd heard me and you uh, you weren't a fan or you. would you had some problem with me and then whatever, <laughs> right? It was something like that. Because I'd heard, because all the people get, you know, Morgan doesn't like you. And I'd, <laughs> and I'd never even met you. Like, I'd never talked to you. I don't think we'd ever been in the same room together. But there were sort of pe- friends we had in common. And, like, it, they would say, yeah, you know, Morgan Grace. And every time your name came up on conversation, like, in whatever capacity, yeah. you know, it was sort of like, blah, 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 Morgan Grace, who dislikes you intensely. <laughs> But then the first time we ever actually had a conversation, you told me the greatest story about calling Def Leppard on Rockline. Yeah, that was great. And Rockline, I don't even know if Rockline still exists. I th- I'm sure it does. Like a KGON kind of, it's like a rock, have you ever heard Rockline? Oh, nope. Rockline with Bob Coburn. <laughs> rockline is this show where it would some band, and usually like a classic rock type band, would go sit in the studio, and they would just, and they play whatever their new single was, and they would just take calls from fans for an hour. And it was kind of cool, because you could call up and be like, I, I have a question for Lou Graham. Lou, um, I don't know if you ever remember me, but I saw you do a small show at the, at the Coho Club, and, um, uh... I just want to say your music got me through high school, and, and he'd go, "Hey, that's that's really great, man. It's it's good to hear from the fans. I, I really, um, that's great." And then Bob would jump in and go, "That's great. Let's take another call from Ted in Wichita." Uh, but you called and spoke to Def Leppard. I did. I talked to Joe Elliott and Phil Collins, and it was awesome. Um, what did you ask them? Uh, well, my boyfriend at the time was working at a restaurant, and he was like, you got to call, you got to listen to the show, you got to call in. I know you'll get in, because he was listening to the radio, and I was, you know, exploding with ecstasy and glee, and I finally got in, and it was ringing, it rang for 20 minutes, and finally I got in, and I was thinking, I was just chain-smoking cigarettes and chugging wine and just twitching like a nervous freak <laughs> at the thought of being able to talk to Def Leppard. <clears throat> and I tell this story, and people are like, wow, how old were you, 14? I was like, no, I was like 23, <laughs> but that doesn't matter. <clears throat> but, um... 
so I finally got in, and, and uh, I, I, they have, you know, the whole screening process. I told right. my question to the screener, and she was like, okay, yeah, that's great. You're in. And so I, I talked to him, and I was just so giddy. My voice, like, jumped up two octaves yeah. when I was connected. And um, it's actually, it's on an album. It's on. The, it's like a hidden track. It's a hidden right? track at the end of the Rules of Dating reissue, and um, it's it's hilarious. It just... I am so tickled. Do you do you still do you remember them? Because I know. I mean, I mean, even though I'm on the radio, I've called. I've done. I've called those shows. Yeah. Uh, and and just. I mean, this what a nerd I am. Here's. I didn't even used to call Rockline. Uh, I would just. I would sit around and I would call late night talk shows, like financial advice shows, just because I liked calling talk show hosts for no, just because I was. A retard. And so I would, but I, uh, I remember calling up and there would be that moment where it rang and rang and rang. And then there'd be the, there's that little burst of static. And I goes, hello, rock on. <laughs> and I mean, you, I bet you probably remember the, oh, oh, God. So what was your question? My question was, um, I saw, uh, when I was 10, I saw an interview with them. It was like the, um, rockumentary on MTV, yeah. you know. And um and he was talking about how he got into Def Leppard, Joe Elliott, and how he was working at like a spoon factory or something in Sheffield. <laughs> spoon factory. You know, or something like that. And um and he was just out of high school and working this dead end crap job and and um he was he literally missed the bus on his way home from work and he wound up walking home and he ran into a couple of guys and they were talking about, you know, like Oh, you, you know, whatever. They were hanging out. Right. And he went back to their house with them and jammed with them or something, and the rest is history. And so my question to him was, I just wondered, where do you think life would have taken you had you not missed the bus that day? That's a great question. Thanks. And uh, he chuckled. And, um, and of course, I prefaced that question with, uh, I'm a musician. I started playing guitar when I was 12 years old, and I love you, and blah, 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 and I'm so happy, and I traveled 900 miles to see you last summer, and blah, 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 you know, and because I, I was a twitchy, nervous freak. And um, But he he kind of giggled a little bit at my question and answered it very thoroughly and thoughtfully. And, um, and at the end, he was talking about um, how Pete Willis... Uh, left the band and how he just wasn't into, you know, doing the interviews and the photos right. that it takes to be in a band, and he just wasn't into it. And then Bob Coburn says, well, Morgan's into it. Morgan, good luck with your music. Thanks for calling Rockline. <laughs> and, uh, and then Joe Elliott was like, yeah, good luck. And then they played, like, Bring It On The Heartbreak or something. Oh, and, that's fantastic. And then I pooped my pants and passed out or something, I'm sure. But, but it was just, it was amazing. That's that. I love I love rock stories like the story of him being late for the <laughs> box making factory or whatever. And I love stories about rock fandom like that one of calling yeah of calling rock lines. One so. of the coolest things that ever happened to me. I actually have another Def Leppard story. When they were here in 2005, uh, they uh, they rode in my friend's cab and Rick Savage left his phone in my friend's cab and he texted me and was like you'll never guess who was just in my cab and of course i you know pooped my pants again and exploded with glee and ecstasy and i was like you have to come to my house right now and so uh i had just did you sit there and stare at it like it was the ark of the covenant <laughs> well i i asked him like okay so what's the deal are you going back to their hotel are you just going to like leave it with the concierge or are you actually going to make a human connection to somebody in their crew and pass the phone over and he's like well i'm going to meet their manager in the um in the lobby right <clears throat> and i said get here right now so i actually hand wrote a note and slipped it inside one of my albums because uh, i just put out the sound of something breaking and the note said um something about how you know i love you i love you i love you and then um <laughs> And then with the release of this album, I am realizing that dreams really do come true. Thank you for being a part of my Aww. life. I'm like, 
think, you know, just so heartwarming and, and special. And there um, are moments when you become, while I'm talking to you, just like some like some little rock Hello Kitty in front of me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where it's like your stories are just so unbelievably cute and perfect. And I mean that in the best way. <laughs> So, uh, hey, uh, speaking of Rick Savage, so uh, are, uh, you have your guitar here, so we'll have, we'll have you, we'll have you amuse us in just a moment. Okay. But I have a question, a Def Leppard question for you. So, in pour I, some sugar. I on dare me. you to stump me, Rick. Well, no, I, it's not. I'm not even trying to stump you. I'm trying to figure something out. Uh, I've heard the song "Pour Some Sugar on Me," which really is one of the great pop songs of all time. Yeah. I've heard it like five skillion times. When Rick Savage, and I'm assuming it's him because it's in the video, he's got that Garth Brooks headset mic and he's like, and he's jumping down the stairs, and it's like that sort of. It's like a middle eight kind of a thing, and he goes, it's that horrible spinal tap moment where he goes, you've got the peaches, I've got the cream. What does he say after that? Sweet to taste, saccharin. Saccharin. Okay, but he says it with like a British accent. Saccharine. Saccharine. Yeah. All right. Because uh, I'm a hot, hot, uh, so hot. All right, okay. I never knew what he was saying there. Yeah. All right. I feel like there's, in my head, there's like a little <laughs> circle that's going clink, and it's now complete. <laughs> All right, uh, Morgan Grace. So the uh, the release, the proper release is Tuesday. The release, no, I've got it wrong. Saturday. Saturday. Make a note. S a t u r d a y night. Where? Saturday at 5 p.m. at Music Millennium. We'll be throwing down for the all ages crowd, and okay. that's East Burnside at about 30th. And right. then the CD release proper for the adults um, is Sunday night at the Doug Fur. Sunday Doug Fur. All right. Uh, yes, Sunday, and is it uh, morgangracemusic.com? Yes, and my website just got a facelift, so um, stop on by. All right, so the uh, the new, uh, new uh, record EP, uh, what have you, it's called Valentine. Uh, what will you be playing for? I think I'll just play, you know, Valentine. You're the coolest. Yay. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, Morgan Grace. <laughs>
great. That's, that's amazing, Morgan. Like one of the Thank best you. songs I have heard in forever. Oh, no okay. lie. I mean, it's and I wouldn't say that if it were not so. So that is really. I wouldn't be stalking your MySpace page. If you didn't think <laughs> I wouldn't be lurking in the shrubs outside your house if I didn't think you had something, kid. Um, so. Uh, yeah, but it's really, really a great song. Thank and you. I heard that on, actually, on your MySpace profile, I think it was the first time I heard it. And, and it was just... You, play, you played it for me, too, and I, I, I just thought it was... On I played it for everybody. It was one yeah. of those... It was like, I came in and started, like, you've got to hear this song! And, and it, like, everybody I saw for the next two or three days, then people just walk by my house and, you, get in my house! And I would sit <laughs> them down and I would play them that song, because it's just... And anybody who knows me knows that I knows that I that this I mean this as, as a real compliment. It is just a perfectly crafted pop song. It that's really great. and that's and that's not easy to do. And people who think that that pop songs are easier people who have never tried to do it. Yeah. So I mean, it's well done, really. Um, thank you very so, much. I'd like to especially thank the douchebag that broke my heart. Um, <laughs> yeah. Up yours, friend. That I wrote this about. Can I just say, this is the weirdest profession of all. I was just thinking about last night, like musicians, songwriters, we endure the most excruciating emotional experiences and relationships so that we can write these things. And I, I kind of liken it to like living on a steady diet of sausage and cheese and pudding and potato chips and poison and then like uh, selling the diarrhea when you're done. You know, it's like these little things that bring actually bring you relief, you know, from this excruciating experience. And then you like turn around and go, oh, do you like diarrhea? I, I just I just made this beautiful thing of diarrhea. I've excreted some art for you. Would you like it? It's kind of like that. So um, I'd also like to say that that Doug Fur show is going to be the return of the great Sam Henry on drums. So that is uh, so Sunday the Doug Fur, and then Saturday 5 p.m. Uh, Music Millennium uh, to celebrate the release of Valentine. Uh, the website is morgangracemusic.com. I know we're running a little bit over time here. Do you have uh, time for one more? Yeah. All right. Um, this is the ballad. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, once again, Morgan Grace on the Rick Emerson show.
clapping seems really inappropriate. I know. I just like... Morgan Grace, ladies great. and gentlemen. Um, You're making me all bummed out. <laughs> Way to kill the buzz, Morgan. Come on! But in a beautiful way. Um, I demand a polka right now. Uh, so, Do you want to hear Samantha WK? Yes. <laughs> more than you can possibly imagine. Uh, it, it's really, it's a beautiful song. It's a, it's, uh, and it, I'm looking at the track listing here, and some of the songs I've heard, and some of them I haven't, but uh, it's, I have no, no doubt that it's great top to bottom. So the, uh, so Saturday, 5 p.m. Music Millennium, and then the uh, grown-up uh, party is Sunday at the Doug Fur. The website is Morgan Grace Music, just like it sounds, MorganGraceMusic.com. Uh, the new CD out uh, within a matter of within a matter of days. Yeah. Uh, Valentine's, what it's called. So, uh, best of continued success in life, in music, and everything. Thank, Thank you for you. coming in. Do you have time for a knock knock joke? I think we always have time for a knock knock joke, Morgan. Knock knock. Who's there? Panther. Panther who? Panther, no panther. I'm still gonna dance. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay, I gotta go. CBS Radio presents Morgan Grace. All right, it's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. As we go into the break, Peter from Nickel Arcade around the corner. More from Tim Riley, the top five. And right now, uh, we will take the fifth caller for your chance at name Rick Emerson's bumper music for a pair of tickets to behind the scenes at MythBusters. Five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Caller five gets a chance to name Rick Emerson's bumper music for a pair of tickets to behind the scenes at MythBusters. More on the way. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. the Rick Emerson radio program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, let us go to the phones now as we endeavor to give away uh, today's uh, final pair of behind-the-scenes at Mythbusters tickets. Uh, hello. Who might this be? This is Shannon. Hi, Shannon. How are you today? Pretty good. How are you guys? I am Dandy. All right, Shannon, here's how we play our game. We're going to play uh, two pieces of Rick Emerson bumper music. You need only identify either the artist or song title of one of them. In other words, okay. two pieces of music for either of them. You just got to identify the artist or song title. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, Shannon. Here's the first piece of music. Shannon, can you identify either the artist or song title? I am not sure. I have a guess, but I'm not positive. No penalty for guessing, Shannon. Okay, well, I don't know that one then. Now, do you have a guess? Uh, I want to say Sex Pistols, but I'm no. not. No, same, same genre, wrong band. Uh, we will give you a second attempt. Okay. All right, here's the second song. You must identify either the artist or song title. Shannon, what is this? All right, Shannon, can you identify either the artist or song title? Uh, I don't think I can. Uh, random guess, The Clash? No, sadly ah. no. All right, Shannon, thank you so much for endeavoring to uh, endeavoring to win, though. Thank you. All right, thank you. Let's do uh, one more here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Who might this be? Scott. Hello, Scott. How are you today? 
I am good. How are you guys? I am dandy. You heard the setup. Uh, we will play two small pieces of umber music for either one. If you can identify either the artist or song title, uh, you will win a pair of passes to Behind the Scenes at Mythbusters. Are you ready? I am. All right, sir. Here is song number one. Sir, can you identify either the song title or artist? Frustratingly familiar. I'm going to say, who do you love? Yes. Well, hey. well, well done. <laughs> That's such a, oh, I can't believe it's a gimme. Uh, the, uh, the artist is George Thorogood and the Delaware Destroyers, my friend. You are going to see behind the scenes at Mythbusters. I'm going to put you on hold, and uh, Richie will get your information. Congratulations, sir. Super. Great show ever. There we go. Thank you. All right. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Nickel Arcade, our good friend Peter. Hello, sir. Hello. How are you, my friend? Peter. Uh, so it, it, the genesis of this top five that we're going to do, so this is that we had done teenage moping songs on Tuesday, and then we did a follow-up list of teenage moping songs on Wednesday, and then you called up and said in your own sort of polite way that we'd done songs for really old people. Yeah, kind of. And so this is sort of, uh, is this artists or songs for teenage moping? Uh, well, all these artists pretty much fit it, but I did do specific songs. Okay, so these are the top five artists to accompany five, teenage wrist-cutting in 2008. Three. It's true. No. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, here is your top five. Counting is wonderful. Counting is marvelous. Counting's the best thing to do. Counting is happiness. Counting is ecstasy. I love to count, don't you? All right, ladies and gentlemen, Peter from Nickel Arcade counts down the top five songs that kids are cutting themselves to in 2008. It's true. They're angry. Uh, this is the honorable mention. It's a dashboard confessional with screaming infidelities. I'm assuming these are all profanity-free for the listeners at home. <laughs> oh, no, there's a lot of profanity. Thank you. Thanks so much. <laughs> Thank you, Scott Daly. I re-recorded over some of them with my own profanity. He <laughs> <laughs> went through and added extra profanity to them. This is that guy who breathes all of his lyrics. It's true. Hello, Tim Riley. There's too much activity going on in here. Stimulus everywhere. This is, is this the honorable mention or number five? This is the honorable mention. Uh, it's Chris Caraba singing. It's on uh, the album Swiss, Swiss Army Romance. Uh, it's pretty good. It's got a bitch in Pompadour. Now, are these the guys, I hear these guys credited as the ones who, like, created emo or... Mm, no, it goes back farther. They, they did kind of, I don't know, they, re they recorded this album three times. They did a full band one, the one that we're listening to now with just him and an acoustic guitar. Then they did like a, a live version of it. It was, a, it was kind of a revolutionary album, even though it's at this point it's been really played out, uh, just because. Uh, I'm trying to think. But they're sort of wringing every dollar they can out of the same set of songs. Oh, yeah, completely. And this, there's about. Every single song on the CD has been on a TV show or a movie or the Andrew W.K. Tonight on a very special OC. Exactly. All right. These are the top five songs that kids are cutting themselves to in 2008. Tim number Riley. four. Follow. Five. Five. <laughs> number five. <laughs> Cursive. The Recluse. Yeah. Cursive. The Recluse. Uh, this is the band called Cursive. They are really good, in case you didn't know. Uh, this is one of my favorite bands. Yeah. Uh, Actually, their side, the side project, The Good Life, is one of my favorite bands. Yeah. Uh, Tim Kasher, 
Uh, it's kind of the guy who writes and sings all the songs uh, for Cursive. They're really good. Uh, the Salad Creek Records band. Uh, you guys played Bright Eyes yesterday. Yes. Who actually was on my list, but uh, they all kind of went to high school together, and they're all on the same record label. They were actually, him and uh, Connor Oberst were on in a band called Captain Venus in high school together. It sounds like a guy who would hang out with Bright Eyes. Yeah. Really good band, though. The Ugly Organ is one of my favorite albums. Yeah, that's what this song's locked from. Yeah. The Ugly Organ? Uh-huh. The Upright Organ. You know, the... Like a piano. These are the top five uh, artists the kids are cutting themselves to in 2008. Tim, number four. Number four, the Fallout Boy. My heart is the worst kind of a weapon. Now, uh, this is one of those bands that has such a disproportionate amount of polarization. It's true. Because there's, I mean, because you know there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of like those those Fallout Boy fans. I don't know if you are one who are just uh, like I read somewhere that they're you know, the Fallout Boy is one of those bands where it's like with Morrissey. Like where he would show up at a record signing and people would just come there and just begin weeping openly in his presence. And I get the feeling that that happens with uh, with these guys, too. Yeah, it does. The thing with Fall Out Boy is that it's kind of, a, they are a very polarizing band. It's either, uh, it's kind of like you would say the Misfits or even the Ramones really, where it's like, either you love them because you know them or you don't really like them. Or if you don't know them, you hate them because of what you think that they are. Right. Uh, and you get a lot of that with Fall Out Boy. Uh, this is off the... Uh, their acoustic EP, uh, it's called uh, My Heart Will Always Be the B-Side to My Tongue. They have great song titles. I will yeah. give it. They have song titles that are fantastic. Yeah, no, and uh, I don't know. I dig it. And the deal with Fall Out Boy is, now it's, it's, what's his, who's the lead singer? What's his name? Patrick Stump. And he kind of gets overlooked because he doesn't have pillowy lips, right? Yeah, well, and the thing is, is he writes all the songs. And the melodies. He, write, he writes everything except for the bass player, Pete Wentz, who writes the words. Right. And gets all the credit because he's, you know, gorgeous. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, I mean something less gay. <laughs> Uh, race trucks, whatever. Big boobs, really big boobs. <laughs> I like beef jerky. Yeah. How are the Yankees doing? <laughs> I hear they're doing well. Good. Wow, could we be more lame? Yeah. These are the top five artists that uh, today's young fashionable uh, kid is cutting himself to. The number three song is Bayside, done by Masterpiece. Actually, this is uh, Masterpiece, done by Bayside. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> well, we're just doing the best we can. Whatever yeah. your kids old. say, whatever your kids say. <laughs> Anyways, this is what the kids are listening to. Uh, this is the opening track off. Uh, oh man, I'm forgetting the album name. This doesn't sound now like any of the other songs on this list. This is a little bit yeah, angrier. This is. Uh, this sounds exactly like all the other things on this list. <laughs> this is a little bit different than the rest of the songs. This is uh, like when you break up with your boyfriend or your girlfriend and you're angry about it and you're gonna you're gonna teach them a lesson. Right. It's that kind of thing. So this isn't sort of the, I wish you'd take me back. This is the, I wish you'd take me back just long enough for me to smother her with a pillow. Exactly, exactly. Uh, you know, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, no, this is, uh, this is pissed off music. Uh, but still, still, still soft. Like, it's not like, it's not really hardcore. Like, it's, uh, uh, vocals are still really kind of soft. It's angry with a velvet glove, Peter. Exactly, with a velvet glove. All right, Peter from Nickel Arcade is here. We are counting down the top five artists to whom today's angry young man is cutting himself. And number two, this is Jesus. According to this, and uh, he's singing a song called Brand New. Why is Brand New singing a song called Jesus? Some of these are backwards. <laughs> I apologize. Brand New is a phenomenal band. Uh, they used to be a pop punk band. Uh, their first album was really pop punk. Their second album um, was a little bit slower, kind of half and half. Then this is their newest album called uh, The God and the Devil Are Raging Inside of Me, and it can only be classified as sad bastard music, as Jack Black would say. It's, it's a great album, but. It's I don't good. want to hear any sad bastard music, Barry. It accompanies uh, a bottle of vodka and uh, a straight razor. This basically. is um, this is really explosions in the sky sounding yeah, right here. Yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ, that's a pretty face. Can you find someone that 
reminiscent of uh, Morrissey and Smith. You know, my wife is at home right now writing down every single one of these, and she's at, as we speak, she's probably online purchasing all of this. This is exactly the kind of stuff that comes out of my uh, that comes out of my uh, my wife's uh, MP3 player. This is a really good album. Uh, the album before this was Deja and Tendu, also fantastic. Some really great tracks on that record as well. What if they play this like on the fish? This yeah, does sound. You know, I I do notice actually that that seems to be the sort of emo punk or whatever you want to call it does seem to be the sort of uh, does seem to sort of be the sort of young people's music that is the most co-opted uh, by sort of Christian stations and Christian music marketing companies. It is stuff that sounds like a really well scrubbed version of Fallout Boy. Yeah, no, it was a lot of like that DC talk, that kind of stuff. It's stuff they were doing a long time ago, but this is more a little bit more abrasive. Well, not this song, but in general, it's more abrasive. We're counting down the top five songs to which young people cut themselves in 2008. Tim, what might our number one song be? Well, I see there was a change of heart here. The original one is scratched out. Number one is Anything Anything with Dramarama. Now this surprises me because this is uh, this is like 20 years ago. I know this is a first of all it's a fantastic song, um, but uh, this is a more it's a different kind of kid. I tried to represent a kind of a, a myriad of different kids. This is the kid that uh, is too cool to shop at Hot Topic. Does just the uh, secondhand clothing stores. But right. and multiple copies of Donnie Darko. Can't wait to graduate high school so I can start going to the Art Institute. Uh, wears high cut, high cut pleated pants, very skinny belt. It's, it's almost always a female. Wouldn't you have been in a crib chicken a rattle when this came out? <laughs> yeah, a big, a, a big wall of hair, you know, gnawing on the side of the bar. Basically. <laughs> yeah, well, you're old, okay? So just bite on that. Right? Wow. <laughs> Such such vitriol. Kids today. I'm gonna get beat up by Tim Riley today. Really. You totally are. <laughs> Gnawing on the wall of your crib. Tell That's my mom. A great image. Tell my mom I love her. Cause I'm gonna get my ass beat uh, by Tim yeah. Riley. I think you know. Well, this whole list makes me feel old, except for this. I mean, this is the old. This makes me sound lame and old. But this is actually the only song in here I think I would be able to like pick out of a lineup. Well, this is what the kids are listening. To. I do dig this. This is still a great song. I mean, it, the production is not dated, although you can definitely tell from what era it comes. Well, it just sounds like a lo-fi recording. I mean, this could just easily come out today. Yeah. Uh, made famous by our good friend Storm Large when she sang it on the uh, Rockstar Supernova. I will say, when I tried to find this on YouTube, uh, the second result with the most views was her singing it on Rockstar oh, yeah. Supernova. All right. Excellent. We'll take a break here. We'll come back after this. Like us at 3. Like us 101 at 5. Michael Mara Show at 7. Peter from Nickel Arcade. Ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere. We return momentarily. So how long do we have here? A minute and a half. All right. Why, hello. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day. It's the final segment of the Rick Emerson radio program. Do I dare take random calls? Uh, oh, yes, yes. There's nothing I want to hear more. <laughs> this hasn't been going so well the past couple of days. It's so neat to have Tim in here still. Hello, Tim. Hello. Hello, Brooke Shields. Uh, like us next. Like us one one at five. Mike Romero Show at seven. Join us tomorrow when our guests will include Aaron Geek in the City Duran and Charles Band from the Full Moon Horror Mu- the, the Road Show thing. The Full Moon Horror Road Show, which is happening at the Aladdin uh, tomorrow night, uh, and for which we've been giving away tickets, etc. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Uh-huh. I told you. Great, thanks. Thanks so much. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello, did you start to give away those tickets? <laughs> sure did. Yes, we did. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, sir. Yes, but we will be giving away tomorrow, uh, two pair of tickets tomorrow to behind the scenes at MythBusters, a hilarious evening with Jamie and Adam. Tickets also go on sale tomorrow, 10 a.m. at all Ticketmaster outlets or at the uh, PCPA box office. Well, ding dong, daddy. I'll have to try it tomorrow. Thank you. Thanks for Bye. being here. Uh, thanks for being positive about it, sir. Is this the final call we'll be taking today, Sarah? 
Um, I don't know. We have about 30 seconds. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. How you doing today? What's up? <laughs> um, I was just calling to try to pimp a show I was doing tonight. Where but is I didn't it? Take what is it? Quick, but quick, I didn't what's the show? Satyricon, yeah. Pitchfork Abortion, 8 o'clock. <gasps> okay. I'm so glad that, that should be fun. so glad that Pitchfork yes, Abortion is. is some of the last last words we're hearing on the show today. All right, thank you. No, it's glorious. Okay, that's right after the Veracats beer bash. <laughs> All right, one more. Hi, you are the last call of the day. Please don't suck. Hello. Hi. Oh, you're there. Thank God. Uh, I gotta tell you, I've been on the phone for 45 minutes, but you guys are great, and I take all you guys to be very smart. Thank you. However, I think you really dropped the ball on the game contest thought idea. Uh, and my thought is that, uh, instead of taking the first guy's idea, which was a pretty good idea, I think you should have taken several ideas, because uh, you guys are promoting, uh, the, uh, Mythbusters, and obviously should have been a question of myths that were busted or not busted. And had callers against each other. Uh, Is this going to be like a new thing? Where yeah, I think we have to fade out of the You should just start to try to end with calls that suck. That, that was so bad. <laughs> we just fade off you into the heard yesterday. Again. It was even worse. Well, thanks, everybody. We'll be back yeah. tomorrow at 10 a.m. for the recap, 11 a.m. for the show. Like us next. Like us 101 at 5. Don't let the bastards run it down. Watch out for snakes. I'm huge. It's actually coming in a diplomatic pouch.